the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Sean Whalen, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Witchboard, starring Tawny Kitane, Todd Allen, and Stephen Nichols. Welcome to another Ouija-so-scared episode of Podcasting After Dark. Uh, buddy, that's pronounced Ouija, not Ouija. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Take two. Welcome to a Ouija-so-scared episode of Podcasting <laughs> After Dark. Um, I am one half of the pad team, the Ouija pad team, Zach Schaefer. Joining me, as always, is my illustrious co-host, Sleazy C. <laughs> No, that's pronounced Sleza Seza. <laughs> oh, 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 how how dare I? How dare I? How well, look, dare I didn't go to say. one of those fancy schools and you know, like I didn't go to college as they say. I, I'm a blue collar construction worker slash former pre-med student. Yeah. <laughs> Who can't say I love you? Can't say I, I can't commit. Uh, dude, by the way, uh, I think Witchboard is a better name for the film than Ouija. Ouija. I believe, I, I agree. And for those of you that just joined us, uh, or, or hit the 15 second ahead button on your, <laughs> on your device, uh, we're reviewing the 1986 horror film Witchboard tonight, t- today <laughs> on Podcasting After Dark. And I will say, yeah, originally the title was supposed to be Ouija, but they had some uh, issues with Milton Bradley and some legal things came up in regards to that. Uh, and so they changed the name to Witchboard. And I agree. I think Witchboard is a much more effective title. Stronger. Uh, much, much stronger. A, Ouija, a movie came out, uh, I want to say like 10 years ago, called Ouija. And I don't think it was like a remake or anything of this. No, no, that I came out pretty bad. That came out at the same time that they were really pushing uh, Battleship because th- it was Parker Brothers or oh, whatever. Yeah. Were like, That's oh, right. we got all these these names that everybody knows. Let's turn them into movies. And I think the the Ouija movie was like the same sort of thing where it's essentially was a you know uh, based on the board game but i heard that the sequel was actually decent but neither of those movies are my cup of tea to be honest with you well uh yeah i i i take a big dump on most horror films that have come out in the past uh, 20 years for the most part overall uh, the occasional one will pop up and i'm like oh that's surprising but for the most part you know my heart is in the yeah. 80s and we're back in the <laughs> 80s once again uh we had a slight departure for the past few episodes but we are back baby with a very fitting tribute to unfortunately the lead actress, Tawny Katane, uh, by the time we were recording this, she had passed away, oh, about two, two or three weeks prior. So in all full disclosure, uh, I had a movie teed up for Corey to take on. And when she passed away, I thought, you know what? No, 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 no. We got to we got to do a proper Tawny Katane tribute uh, with one of the 
one of the more like I would I don't want to say obscure films from the 80s horror films but definitely not at the top of people's lists in general and often overlooked uh and but we're gonna dig deep into it and give it a fitting tribute because uh you know overall I really still enjoy it and dare I say enjoy it more now than I did back in the day uh, yeah dude I so in the unboxing video I said that I'd seen it. I now, upon further reflection, I think it was Witchboard Two that I've seen. Um, and, oh, and that's gosh. and by the way, the Witchboard Two, the 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 poster for that, I think, is very like VHS store iconic. Like it's a strong cover yes. with the board kind of forming a hand and grabbing the girl by the neck. Like that's a great cover. Um, Agreed. But I barely remember it. Uh, watching this made me realize, okay, I had never seen it before, or if I had, I, I didn't remember it at all uh and i watched it with my wife um for the first time which was a little uh, she wasn't quite sure if she wanted to because she actually she's a little superstitious and doesn't like movies about ouija boards and i was like okay i was like but you know it's 88 or 86 you know it's the 80s it's gonna be a little bit silly and uh yeah dude this movie was a wild ride as a first time viewer um (laughs) I, i dare i say it goes from for my viewing experience of it because I've watched it twice in like two days now. Went from the very beginning, just straight up like, "What is this trash?" to being at the very end of the second viewing, <laughs> saying, "This is genius. This movie is pure genius from beginning to end." And I will cite all the reasons that I thought this movie was trash at first, and I will cite all the reasons that I think it's actually fucking a an amazing movie with a lot of heart in it, like a lot of soul in this film. Very much, it, you would think it's like a, a a silly, cheesy horror movie, but they really put characters first in this movie, whether yeah. or not the actors were up to the standard of the sh- of the script. I'm not sure. Maybe it's because it's the first-time director, but it, there's some wonky stuff here and there, but if when you peel it away... You realize that there is a lot of meat on the bone here, a lot to chew on, and a lot to love, and dare I say, very little to dislike about this film. Oh, nice! I'm I'm really happy to hear that. I I'm gonna be totally honest with you. When when I first saw this movie back when it came out on video uh, in '86 or '87, my brother Eric rented it. Yet, yet again, another Eric special, and um, I didn't like it when it first when I first saw it. Uh, I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, the, the, the villain on the cover, I, I wanted to see more of him. I still want to see more you of mean, him. You mean Vincent Price? The, the, whole, the whole time on the cover, I was like, so when's Vincent Price showing up in this film? Vincent Price on steroids, really, uh, really jacked up Vincent Price. Uh, but I, I'm watching it again now because I have such a nostalgic love for this this time period I found it thoroughly entertaining too and yeah I watched it probably watched it like two or three times back in the day I was talking to my wife Kristen about this that when and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate including you when you go to the video store back in the day and you rented a movie you only had a couple days to watch it you'd watch that sucker many times because you knew that you're gonna have to return it the next day or a couple days later and and then that was it so you might as well watch it as much as you can because you're probably not going to rent it again for a while. So I probably watched it like two or three times in a row over the course of two days. And, um, you know, I was like 10 at the time, 10 or 11. And so I wasn't interested in seeing Tawny Katane naked. Yeah. Uh, it was more just like, I want to see some something scary and terrifying. And 
I was like shocked in certain moments and I still am. I watching it again. I was like, Oh, I forgot about that scene. Ooh, I forgot about that scene. And what did I forget the most of was the kick-ass song bump in the night. (laughs) You mean my new obsession? (laughs) Dude, that song is so good. I don't know which one's better. uh, Neon slime or, or that Probably I prefer, I would probably say I prefer Bump in the Night a little bit more. It's a little bit more poppy. It's more my skis. Um, But, dude, when when Meyer and I watched this movie, when when this credits roll and and this song comes on, we look at each other and we go, and this is why it's a Zach movie right here because it's got a fucking (laughs) ditty. And, dude, I have been listening to that song on repeat, uh, getting pumped up for this episode uh, for like the, the hour prior. And, my god is it good and my god am i pissed off that it's not on spotify uh the the, the band is like they have a, a page and they have steel breeze. steel breeze yep they have a page and they have two albums but bump in the night i couldn't find it on either of the albums and i was like no because i was gonna add it to my spotify 80s grady's playlist you know it's like uh i'm no animal by felony yeah, you can't find that anywhere. Oh, either. really? That's just on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was in one of the uh, Jason movies. But uh, yeah, Steel Breeze, which is like, um, you know, if a yacht rock band had sex with a metal band and they named their child Steel Breeze, <laughs> I suppose, because <laughs> that sounds like hardcore and yachty at the same time. I mean, it's pretty fucking um, cool, man. I'm not gonna lie, I love it. <laughs> oh no, I'm not gonna lie either. You know, I was gonna say too. Uh, I'm sure I'd really love to get our, our boy Terry Chapman's thoughts on this movie because I know he's a huge Witchboard fan, and um, and I'm sure he's a Steel Breeze fan too. <laughs> of that, I have no doubt. <laughs> Every time I hear that name, I just want to go. Steel Breeze makes me feel fine, but not that. Did, did they ever have another hit? Did you know them outside of this song? Okay. No, that's why I forgot about okay. it when when the um, we got the shout factory blu-ray discs that came out which are very nice by the way very well stacked with extras and uh comes with a blu-ray and dvd combo pack and uh i I, the 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 main menu plays the song the title track (laughs) not title track just leave it there and just like let it play oh i did (laughs) yeah i was doing something the other day and it was on i was on the menu and it just kept playing that opening you know in the middle of the Wow, I'm like this is this is great, uh, great song to like get you pumped up to watch this movie ahead of time. Yeah, so just get the movie, watch the men, let the menu sit for a little bit, but not too long because you don't want your TV to get all frozen. <laughs> uh, and it's it's good to go. But you know, this movie is yeah, I, I it was filmed prior to Tawny doing her very famous music videos for White Snake. Yeah. So, but released around the same time. So obviously it got a lot of attention because of that. 
um, rightfully so, which is good. It probably would have got very little attention if it had come out before the White Sink videos. Yeah, that was a nice and, bit of synchronicity, I, I would imagine. Um, sure it was. actually did very well. I, I, it's considered a, a hit. I think it was the budget was about, according to IMDb, the budget was about two mil estimated, you know, and it grossed about okay. seven, seven and a half, which isn't terrible to be honest with you for for a you know horror movie. That's a hit right there. So, and especially for a constituted a sequel, I know, yeah, I they did two sequels actually, um, but not bad for a first time director and first time writer. Same, same guy, he he was the writer and the director. Kevin Tenney is his name. He wrote and directed this. Uh, he mostly is known for Night of the Demons, yeah. which obviously is a big hit with our boy David Irons. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got one of those signature lipstick in the chest scenes, which is very bizarre and hilarious at the same yeah, time. It's, it's a cool movie. I love that movie. Uh, I'd seen it when I was way younger, and I watched it last year during the quarantine. And I was like, oh, I actually, it holds up well. I very much enjoy it. So. I would I would imagine realistically we'll get to it on pad at some point. I wouldn't be I'll probably bring cool. it to the table because I, I did dig it. Cool. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that movie in forever, so I'd always be down to yeah. watch that, of course. But but no, I you know the reason I ch- yeah like I said in the opening, uh, the reason I chose this movie was a was a proper dedication to Tawny Katane. I mean, yeah, she was in a few other films, uh, obviously during this time that could fit in the pad realm, but this to me, this actually. I have a fondness for this film and nostalgia for this film. So that's why I chose it. But man, she was great. She's beautiful icon of the eighties icon. Like when you, when people think of like, what are, what are symbols from the eighties? She, her dancing on a sports car with David Coverdale. Uh, that is definitely an image that, that is to me is a, as iconic as Michael Jackson doing the mm-hmm. moonwalk in Billie Jean it's a, as iconic as Christy Brinkley uh, in National Lampoon's Vacation. Like very, you know, just images that stand out, you know. Just um, Tawny Katane's uh, haircut in this movie is iconic. Yes. Like just the way she has it, it's all, <laughs> it's Tawny Katane. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean, she's beautiful. She's stunning. She's, she's unbelievable. And dare I say... She was pretty damn good in this movie, too. And I, I was talking to Myra at uh, dinner tonight, and she was like, you know, there were only a couple moments here and there that I, I thought the, she didn't know her name. The, the lady, she said, you know, was like, okay. She was like, but for the most part, I thought she did a pretty damn good job. And I was like, yeah, for a music video model essentially turned, you know, movie actor, she was really damn good in this film. Yeah, you think about people, you think about uh, Christy Brinkley, Kelly LeBrock, um, you know, those are just the couple off the top of my head that I can think of that were like Paulina Poroskova, uh, that, 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 that were like models turned actors, uh, shoot, even, um, Grace Jones, yeah, you know, yeah. is a model turned mm-hmm. actor. Like you think about these people who, uh, made that transition, Kathy Ireland, <laughs> you know, um, but, but Tawny just stands out because she was just so, I don't know. She just had a quality about her, like a sultriness, but also a sweetness too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, it really comes across in this movie, which is really perfect. If you think about it, because it plays into that, the movie plays into that, the sweetness that turns a little bit, you know, dangerous. And, uh, Kevin Tier, uh, Tini, T- Tenny, um, in the documentary on the, the shot factory disc is really good. Um, it actually has, it has him, Tawny Katane. It has, uh, Steven Nichols, uh, Todd Allen on there. Um, <laughs> and it even has J- James W. Quinn, uh, who played Lloyd. Um, but like, That's so, funny. you know, the director, he was talking about the fact that they saw a lot of people for the, for the Linda role. And, and 
he said that afterwards, you know, that the person had to be attractive. Obviously, it's something they were trying to go for. But after they saw all these, like, we saw Playboy models. We saw so many just unbelievably beautiful women. But everybody that was there couldn't stop talking about Tawny Katane. And then he said his casting director the uh, is a female. And she recommended Tawny Katane, too. And he's like, cool. He's like, here's a woman that all the guys want and, and my, fe- my casting director. So females also don't find that threatening. He's like, it's perfect. And I think that's a perfect way to describe her. She's beautiful and sultry but she doesn't feel threatening granted i am a a heterosexual male saying that but you know that's i I feel like that's the vibe that she kind of exudes you know well it's funny that she doesn't feel threatening but the guy she was dating at the time probably was oj simpson yes exactly jesus christ just gonna say so uh oh i didn't do anything jesus fuck i don't know what you're talking about oj man jesus (laughs) fucking christ (laughs) Meanwhile, it, like dude's on Twitter and oh my god, yeah, how's he that, still just? Ha- where's karma, man? Where the fuck is karma? You know, I don't know, man. Because there's a lot of people in this world that I feel like need, they need their karma. They need to cash that karma chip <laughs> yeah, in, right? and they still have not yet. Jesus uh, Christ! But yeah, so Satani so Katane dated OJ fucking Simpson during this time, frame. and I guess she dated David Coverdale soon well, after. She married David Coverdale, right? She, she yeah, she yeah. married him. Yeah, yeah. So. But um, but yeah, she. I wanted to do this movie. I jump started it. I had it had been on my list for a while. To to, to be honest with you, I was like, we'll get to it down yeah, the road. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, but no, I jump started it because it just felt per- perfect for this. And um, you know, her to her friends and family, I'm sure she's very very much missed. And to dudes like us who who grew up watching her videos and 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 you know, for lack of a better term, thought she was hot. You know, it, it's. It's I think um, it's the least we can do is say, you know, pay tribute to somebody who we thought who stands out to us. And it's a perfect pick by you because, I mean, yeah, we all we love Tawny Katane as like this like sex symbol. And she is nude in this film, but this film does not feel that sleazy or that exploitative. And I think it's because. Aside from the nude shower scene, which I was surprised by because it's in like the last 15 minutes, I was like, are we actually going to, is there any nudity in this film? But other than that, she's not dressed like scantily clad through the rest of the movie. And I I think that like a lesser director or maybe a lesser, you know, uh, production designer would have like really skimpied her up a bit, but they don't, dude, at all. Like it doesn't feel exploitative at all in this movie. Well, it plays into her character because her character is supposed to kind of be, wholesome. you know, when, when, yeah, because when certain things happen in the movie and her boyfriend is like, you have this, what's coming over mm. you, you know? <laughs> so I think that has something to do with it. Well, what's but, coming um, over her is progressive and wait, no, what is it called? <laughs> it's progressive entrapment, right? Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. So, so folks, uh, when Corey said, we should have a drinking game every time uh, you hear the word Ouija. Ouija. <laughs> Not Ouija, but Ouija, pronounced, and progressive entrapment. Yes. And you will be shit-faced by the end of the movie if you drink every time those two were, or those two phrases are said. <laughs> there was uh, back when uh, Talk Soup first mm. came out, and they did little skits on there. They had, they had a video called Consensual Servitude. And uh, I don't know why it always stood out to me. So you could take progressive entrapment and consensual servitude. <laughs> Put those two together. Um, that would be great passwords for your That's email. A I'm just good saying. call. Good call. 
<laughs> and then put a you know dollar sign yeah. at the end. Um, an exclamation point and a number. I think you need to do you all, need to do all of them now. now. So uh, yeah, before we before we jump into what is now known as Witchboard, but was originally known as Ouija. Let's talk about the cast. Obviously, we talked about the writer director, uh, Kevin Tenney, but and 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 Corey mentioned the cast briefly, but I'll just kind of maybe stand out one or two roles that that uh, they're known for outside of this movie. Todd Allen, um, you know, he's he's working all the time. The guy is working all the time. He was in Friday Night Lights, the TV series, which uh, you know is probably one of the most popular television series of all time uh it seems that way uh but he was in Django Unchained and I I remember I recognized him in the movie I'm like why does that guy look familiar to me well it's because I knew him from what what scene (laughs) what what part of that movie was was he in I think he was one of the uh I don't his character in Django Unchained is Dollar Bill was was, I feel like the guy with the dogs where there was like a little throwaway scene where the I think a slave was like trying to get away and I think he some guy unleashed dogs or like he was a part of a group of people or something like that. I, yeah, he was either with that group or with James Remar in the beginning. Okay. okay. Um I'm trying to, I I don't know I haven't seen that movie in a, in yeah. a minute but yeah. uh and I do love that yeah. movie. I think that movie's fantastic, but it's cool that he's in that. You know, Tarantino loves to whether you like Tarantino or not, you must respect the fact that he uses people in his movies that many people have just kind of written yeah. off. And though Todd Allen has been very successful, he was in The Apostle with Robert mm-hmm. Duvall. Uh, that was a very popular film, very uh, critically praised. You know, it's it's like it's nice that Tarantino uses guys like Martin Cove in uh, before Cobra Kai. You know, put him in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or he uses Kluguliger. You know, and like all these dudes that he admires, Robert Forrester, Pam Greer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Come on. Anyways, uh, yeah, that Todd I, Allen plays Jim Moran. And I just want to call out uh, Todd Allen was also in Sequest DSV, a show that I very much like, oh. and uh, will probably uh, be on TV Obscura at some point. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, that that's that's I mean, that's a great gig too. Totally. Uh obviously Tawny Katane, she plays Linda Brewster. No relation to Charlie <laughs> Brewster. Um Stephen Nichols plays Brandon Sinclair. He is a staple of daytime television on Days of Our Lives for the better part of 16 years. Um, yeah, he's, God bless he's him. He's been on there forever. And when I saw him, in the, I was like, man, he looks I, he looks sort of familiar. I don't watch Days of Our Lives, but you can't, you got to live under a rock to like not see any of those people ever, you know? And I was like, and then I oh, looked him yeah. up and I was like, oh, he's the guy with the eye patch on Days of Our Lives. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like a huge, he was a huge daytime star. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he really made the transition to the to the the, the silver screen. Well, and and it's interesting because the first time I saw them watch the movie with Myra, I was like, man, his acting is like he's at a ten all the time, and he's always projecting. So good. And and I was so like, good. and I didn't know really Todd, Todd Allen at the time, and I was like, compared to like Jim, who's like he's kind of like at a seven point five, but this guy's at a ten. And I told Myra, I was like. I bet you he's like stage trained or something, and this is like his first movie. Because I did usually whenever I watch it for the first time, I don't want to look up anything on IMDb. I just want to kind of let it wash over me. And uh, yeah, when I nice. looked it up afterwards, I was like, "Oh, he's on. He's a soap opera star." I was like, "That that actually makes a lot of sense right there. His acting style is pretty fucking perfect for for day, daytime soaps." But that being said, 
by the end of the movie, by the end of the movie of the, like the first viewing, I loved him. So going into my second viewing, I had no like sort of barrier to sort of get into the, the, the character. And, and, and I just took off the second viewing and like just loved it from beginning to end. But I, I, yeah. I do think his over-the-top acting was a little bit of a barrier for me to kind of get into just right away, just at the very beginning of the first viewing, you know? I think I, li- I as a kid, I really liked him. Uh, what happens to him in the film, I'll get to that later. And I really didn't like Jim. Mm-hmm. I think I really didn't like Jim because Jim epitomized, even though I wasn't at a stage where I want, was like dating anybody or anything like that, I, I, was, I didn't like the fact that he was quote unquote a bad boy with the hot girl. Yeah. I'm like, why does the bad boy got to have a hot girl? Why can't the cool guy have a hot girl? You know, uh, but we'll get to those inside jokes later. Uh, rounding out the cast. There's a couple more. There's Kathleen will Hoyt who plays Zarabeth and she's in it for maybe f- not even five minutes. Uh, but she's from Roadhouse. I knew her mostly from Roadhouse back in the day. So good in Roadhouse. She was in Murphy's Law, which is a pretty decent uh, Charlie Brunson action movie from the mid eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say, hey Zach, it, I always thought <laughs> I, I I'm sure I've seen Murphy's Law at some point, but on the cover. I always thought that was Gillian Anderson, um, uh, j- just from glancing. I didn't even put much thought into it. And so when I was looking up uh, Kathleen Wilhoit, uh, I was like, oh, she was in Murphy's Law. And then I zoomed in on the cover, and I was like, holy shit, that's been her. I, she's been staring at me the entire time. And I was like, oh, fuck. I, and, and I know her, dude. Like, yeah, I know her from Roadhouse. I know her from Color yeah. of Night. Um, just, yeah. And it's weird because, like, you, you scroll through her stuff and just – She's been in so much, and she's such a strong character actor. Um, I always recognize her, but in this movie, she just she blows right off the screen in a good way. She's awesome and and totally stands out in the all you know. She's in the movie for like maybe ten minutes total, um, but At she's max. yeah, but she's great. She's fun. She has so much energy and is and at the time is such a breath of fresh air in the film. Like when you sort of need a bit of a change up, and she was perfectly cast. Yeah, no, I agree. I used to get her mixed up with. Um... Caroline Williams, who was in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part oh, Two, she yeah. played Legs, the DJ. I can see that kind of similar hairstyle yeah. and, and like dark hair, bangs, and skinny. Yeah, you know? no, I can I can uh, absolutely see how you would confuse the two of them. But but nowadays they look nothing <laughs> yeah. alike. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, Burke Burns, <laughs> or yeah, Burke Burns plays Lieutenant Lieutenant Dewhurst. Uh, this guy has been in everything. He's been in Child's Play 3, Airplane 2, Meteor. Like, he, he's, he's had a huge career character actor. He was in Robot Wars, Curly Sue, um, you know, After Dark, My Sweet, Taking Care of Business, Air America. Like, I just listed off movies that are all over genres. Like, every genre you can think of. This guy is in it. And, and movies that I've seen, but... I did not recognize him at all. Oh, really? Like I not really at all. But dude, from the first scene at the at the funeral, I was like, dude, yeah. give Lieutenant Dewhurst a movie because this dude had charisma oozing off the screen. I loved watching him. In my head, I kind of made him out to be a poor man's Ed O'Neill. But by the end of the movie, yeah, I can see that. by the end of the movie, I was like, I love this guy. This guy has so much just 
X factor, just so much charisma that I couldn't take my eyes off the screen when he was on there. I, I loved everything he was doing with his lips, with his zero, his no upper lip at all whatsoever. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think, I think he, I guess that he had a big hand in his character because I know about the original script for this movie, which had a lot more detail. Uh, I had like an extra 30 minutes, you know, of pages. Uh, and the, the, the lieutenant character was very stereotypical and did not have the dynamics that Dewhurst, I think, probably Burns, the actor, added to his character. I I feel like he probably had a hand in what we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, we um, certainly had to eat those lemons, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like Jesus, know, dude. You really chow down. <laughs> um, I knew a dude once who would eat like raw onions, and like, what, why, it's man? So why? Weird. You're weird. Uh, can, can I ask you uh, who then, is Rosemary? Because she gets special billing in the credits at the beginning, and they're like special billing appearance by Rosemary. And I was like, and I know well, she's the landlady, but like, why is she special? Because she was on the Dick Van Dyke show. I think so. I mean, I think she's like a. You know, you go to her IMDb and it's like Rosemary was a legend of show business with a career stretching 90 years oh. since her debut as herself in a Vitaphone musical short that appeared on the bill with the jazz singer. 1927. Like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. OK, sure. Sure thing. Yeah. But it's, I mean, do it. It's up. funny because as much as I'm like, I want a whole movie about Lieutenant Dewhurst. I was like the first time I watched the movie, I like her characters went right past me. I mean, I saw her. I, I know that there's a landlord there, but nothing special about it. And then the second time I'm watching, I'm like, OK, who's like, why are they giving special appearance by Rosemary? Let me, you know, and I was like, oh, she was the landlord. I was like, OK, I don't know. I feel, I feel like you could have saved well, maybe a couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, by by just casting somebody else for that one. I totally agree. And and again, with the original script, there is a bigger piece of the landlady being involved uh, in this as well. So maybe she had a bunch of scenes that were cut. Who knows? Yeah. You know. Um, and then yeah, James W. Quinn plays Lloyd. I'm only mentioning him because he has a very pivotal. Um, jaw-dropping moment yeah. in this yeah. it's fantastic which i think final destination definitely bit yeah, off of probably yeah yep i can't wait to talk about it it's awesome dude probably in my opinion one of the two best scenes in the movie yeah yes yes in a movie chock full of fantastic scenes uh one thing i want to yes. say the the documentary talked what when he was you know talking to the director uh kevin tenney um you know he 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 was he lamented the fact that you know, he was like, I didn't I didn't really make that big of a body count in this movie. There's only like three people die on screen. And I was like, yeah, you're actually you're right. That's that's it's a really yeah. low body count. He goes, but I wanted to make sure that I put the characters first. Like it was a character first horror movie. And I was like, hmm. you know what? I think he absolutely uh, succeeded in that aspect of it, because this is a very strong character driven film wrapped in a silly premise, you know, that is pulled off very well, but remarkably low body count. And I guarantee you that's probably why, you know, you, you didn't click with it when you were a kid, you know, and everything. You're like, oh, I want to see more action. Yeah. But, man, now that, having watched it as an adult, I don't even think about its low body count. You know, like it's I'm never bored in this film at all. No, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with it being nostalgic for you and I both because whether it's the fashion, whether it's just the 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 direction, uh, the set design, the locations because there's a lot to look at. Locations, there's a lot to look at in this movie, 
And it's very entertaining from a from an aesthetic perspective because there's just a lot to absorb. And also the acting's really yeah. good and the script is is pretty damn tight. There's only a few moments where you're like, okay, wait, that doesn't make sense, but whatever. Like overall, um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a fun film. It is. And 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 really, really unique if you think about it, too. Absolutely unique, man. And and for its small budget, they pull off some impressive special effects and camera work in this film. And uh, wow, I, I can't wait to talk about it. Before we do, though, we should mention that the the main house. Um, first off, I didn't quite understand it's an apartment building but it's a, it's like a converted house into an apartment. So it's not like your typical apartment type of complex, I guess. You know, because they have like carpeted yeah. floors and like an upstairs lobby or something. And it looks like a giant mansion. Um, but it is the house that they filmed uh, Waxworks at. A movie that Zach makes no bones about how he feels. How, how do you feel about Waxworks, baby? That movie sucks. <laughs> it does. It really does. D- d- don't, don't The same people, I guarantee you. <clears throat> there's a bunch of people out there who think cyborgs rad and, and wax works great. Diallo and I saw wa- uh, Waxwork random right before COVID hit random double bill of the Egyptian of army of darkness hmm. and Waxwork. Oh. Why those two movies were on the same bill. I have no idea. Um, Michelle Johnson, I think is her name uh, from blame it on Rio. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's in, she's in Waxwork. And um, she was there doing like a Q&A kind of special appearance uh, for the movie before the movie started. And then we watched it. Look, man, I think it's that movie's so overrated. It did, everyone's just like, oh, my God, because it's got it does have a phenomenal cast. It's got pretty decent uh, special effects and a kick ass premise, a kick ass premise. But it is slow as all hell. It is so boring The the midway through it just hits up major speed bump and so diallo and i both were like i'm like diallo do you want to go he's like i've already fallen asleep three times (laughs) and i mean for those that know diallo he would fall asleep all the time but for him to wake up and fall asleep again he was really trying to stay awake and uh and this movie was forcing him to go back to sleep so i'm like yeah we can split it's all good so we we walked out midway through and i think people were like where are those two guys going but they showed army of darkness first yeah. Yes, we stayed. That, that was a mistake obviously. on their part. They should have saved Army of Darkness <laughs> for the second viewing. <laughs> I know. Like, wh- who who programmed this, and why aren't we not programming these <laughs> movies? Well, we will someday. someday. They're right. Uh, but yeah, they also filmed Willard there too. Um, the the the, the, the remake the, one, the rap movie. The- no, the original from seventy one. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm sure I saw that one a long time ago, but I I I more fondly love the the newer one with Crispin Glover. Oh, Crispin Glover yeah. is a tour de force. Yeah, he's fantastic. It's like that movie was made for him. He's just fantastic. Totally. In that and, film. You know, yeah, I, I love that movie. I thought it was a really good remake. You know what's uh, funny? For sure. We should do a, a remake watch list at some point because you and I talk all the time about remakes that we love and there's actually a lot more that we love than we don't love and uh you know on one end being the fog was the one that we unanimously hate but it's 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 interesting there's quite a few remakes that we love and and a lot of times love more than the original so maybe you and i need to do a remake watch list one of these days I think we should, and then we should do a dishonorable mention yeah. where we just rattle off our five most despised 
uh, that's fine. Yeah. Like just rattle them off. No, like no description. Just, you know, look for that one in the future guys and gals. I'm sure David Irons right now is like, come on, mate. I want to get in on that. <laughs> David, you can be on it too, buddy. <laughs> With my sweet hair and my awesome kicks. Oh, yeah, he's got some good. And my uh... great collection of tapes. Why do I sound Australian right now? <laughs> you're you're getting worse and worse. It's just, it's I know, devolving. It's terrible. <laughs> I might have to take a, I got to go back to dialect class. Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's let's jump on this Ouija train. Oh, I'm sorry. Ouija. Bump in the night. Hit that bump. Bump, bump that in shit. in the night. David? Are you here? Can you hear me? It began at a party. <laughs> it was only a game. David, will you return to the living one day? Bullshit. Careful, Jim. You're upsetting David. David, are you all right? Yeah, he's all right. He's just a little dead, that's all. Shut up, Jim! What's he gonna do, haunt me? Hello, Linda, this is Brandon. I just realized I left my Ouija there the other night. I'm having some friends over Sunday and they want to use it. Besides, I want to contact David and see if he's calmed down yet. David, are you here? Are you still angry at Jim? David, where are you? Man, don't tell me you bought that crap with Brandon and that board. Oh, please. Boy, David, you should know how to hold a grudge, don't you? David? I want to bring a medium by your apartment as soon as possible to exercise the spirit. Okay, let's talk to some ghosts. David, where are you? You! Did you cause that accident at the site? David, don't lie to me. When someone uses a Ouija alone, like Linda, she's very susceptible to the spirits she contacts. And the wrong spirit will take advantage of this. Pretty soon, all she wants to do is use the board. And once that's done, He's able to possess her. Linda has made contact. Linda, unlock the door. David is here, and he's playing for real. It isn't a game anymore. Witchboard. Don't play it alone. The movie opens. Witchboard. The movie opens very standardly with like a kick-ass looking logo, but then very much like a long crawl. The opening, it kind of blows because you're like, whoa, why are we showing just a black screen with credits in the yeah. beginning? It's taking a really long time. And then slowly fades into nighttime uh, at the outside shot of the apartment mansion complex thing that they're at the the waxworks house basically <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, Con- yeah the wax converted house. mansion into apartment complex oh and by the way i think all of this takes place uh right around like like what's uh, south of culver like around inglewoody type of area and stuff i think that's where sort of all the, oh, the really? this area is like right around culver and whatnot because they say fairview so my- and and you can look up where that street is and whatnot yeah it's down there Hmm. Okay. Yeah. At first, I thought it was Pasadena, 
but um, you know, but but also think I, I feel like this might have taken place originally set to take place in the Bay Area because they don't go to Big Bear, they go to Tahoe in the original script. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Which anyway, but we'll get yeah. back to that later. So yeah, opens up on a on the mansion. Uh, you're now in the mansion, and there's a big '80s party going on, and it's like so '80s. It's so great. <laughs> I mean, 80s. there's awkward dancing and movement, and weird looks on people's faces, horrible hair on choice, men, choice. like. Men that are yes. younger than you and I are, you know, like if you just compared our ages now and, you know, and, and yet they look older than us because their hairstyles are just terrible. It's so it's wild. I mean, you can pause it and look at everybody's outfits. It's awesome. It's a great time capsule scene. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um, <clears throat> the camera pans through the through the party and centers in on uh, two dudes sitting on a couch. Uh, Roger and Brandon and uh, obviously Brandon is one of our leads in the movie and Roger's like this snooty dude and he's like well you know there ha- we we catch him like mid conversation and Roger's like well if you don't believe in god then how do you explain the creation of the universe Brandon like these two intellectual guys having a conversation and Brandon's like how do you explain the creation of god yeah it's, it's so douchey <laughs> bro like, right out of the gate it's, it's so, so douchey. douchey these guys are like the epitome of douche <laughs> big time <laughs> Anyways, they're like having this back and forth, uh, and and Brandon's like, "Why, why is it harder to accept, you know, uh, the universe being created than an infinite God?" And uh, and then Roger's like, "Well, there's no intelligent life that could form so quickly without divine intervention." So so they're arguing about the creation, whether there is a God or not. Brandon's arguing about kind of like on the science side of things, yeah, right? Yeah. But he's about to get into the Ouija yeah. shit, which is like, it's a, yeah, it's a little interesting. Kind of an oxymoron? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, Brandon's like, come on, Roger, you can't, you can't tell me that God created intelligent life. Look at, look at Jim. And he's like basically calling Jim an idiot. Yeah. And cause Jim's sitting there too. Linda's sitting there too at the couch and, area. And Linda's sitting next to Brandon. So, so consider this me. You know, first time in my adult life, you know, sort of viewing this and paying attention to this, you have no idea who's connected to who. And, you know, it's it's such a jarring way to be dropped into uh, a story, you know, and and, and we'll, we'll understand things as a sort of un, unravel throughout the story, which which I think is is the genius of the of yes. the script. But right here and right now, my first time viewing, I'm like. Who, who who am I rooting for here? Like, well, who's who's the lead here? Who's who's because everyone's an asshole. So who's the lead? Who who's the who's yeah, the protagonist I, that I'm supposed to be rooting for? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's a very odd scene because so so Jim is sitting across from them. Linda, yeah, you're right, and she's almost like kind of stroking Bren, Brandon's like shoulder yeah, or something. Yeah, they're very and close. So very close, and it very looks very much looks like Linda is Brandon's yeah. girl. And then Jim, Jim is like totally offended that Brandon basically called him an idiot. And, uh, and he's like, you know, that's good. That's good. That's good. Brandon. It's almost witty. I'm going to go get another drink. And then he gets up to leave the, their sitting area. And Brandon's like, like father, like son, huh? And then, you know, Jim's super like looks all pissed off and storms off. And then Linda looks over at Brandon and she's like, you just don't know when to quit. Do you? Uh, and she gets up and leaves also. So you're thinking, okay, her his girlfriend's yeah. mad, right? 
and his girlfriend's gonna go talk to the guy, the random yeah, guy. Yeah, you, you, it's Not weird. Exactly the case. You have no idea yeah. like what these relationships are, but when you rewatch it, and once you learn what unfolds and what their history is, all of this actually makes so much sense. And then it's it's really cool how you have to decipher all of this for yourself. It's it's a very active process for the viewer, which is what I like. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. You cut into the kitchen of this house, and uh, Mike is is hanging out with uh, with Lloyd, and they're getting drunk. These kind of like blue collar looking dudes, and Mike's talking to Lloyd, and he's like. You know, oh, speak of the devil, it's Jim. And then Jim walks in and he's like, look, I've had enough religious discussions for one night. And he's like, when'd you guys get here? And they're like, oh, hey, man, come on. You want to party? Like, let's do this. And Lloyd's like, we just walked in. And Jim's like, well, you left me all alone out there with a room full of Linda's college friends. And you're like, oh, this is Linda's yep. party. Yeah. Jim and Linda are together. Okay, it's still kind of weird. And uh, And they're like getting drunk. And Lloyd's like, priorities, dude. Jack comes first. Hellos come second. <laughs> I love those guys, man. They're, they're, oh, great. they're great. They're fucking they're fantastic. Great. Yeah. So Jim Jim's getting drunk with them. And uh and then Mike Mike kinda it's it's an interesting kind of back and forth because his buddy Mike goes, you know, like everybody looks pretty fancy in there. You think we're kind of underdressed? And Jim's like, nah, they're overdressed. And it's like this very like blue collar versus, you know, uppity white yeah. collar. And then, and then Lloyd's like, well, well, who's the, who's the guy in the $800 suit speaking about the guy who pissed Brandon and Jim goes, Brandon Sinclair. And they're like, oh, of Sinclair vineyards. Uh, Jim goes, yeah, Linda used to date him. And then Lloyd's like, Ooh, I'm impressed. And, and like, they're kind of having this weird back and forth. And then Linda walks in and Linda's like, Jim, Oh, oh, hi, hi, Lloyd, hi, Mike, and and then they both wave at her, and then she's like trying to like talk to Br- uh, talk to Jim, and then and then there's like super awkward silence going on, and Lloyd's like, well, um, we should get out of here, and then they leave to ha- let Linda and Jim be together, and uh, and Linda says, you know, are you all right? And and then Jim's like, I told you he was an asshole. She's like, I know, I know. Are you coming back out? And he's like, yeah, in a minute. You go play hostess, and I'll come up with some clean jokes, okay? And she's like, okay. I love you. And there's a super awkward silence, and he goes, I know. And she's just kind of standing there waiting for him to say something, and he doesn't say anything. It's great. So do you it. think that Kevin Tenney is a Star Wars fan? Oh, I don't Because know. also, uh, very later in, in the movie... Uh, Brandon says a couple of times, I've got a bad feeling about this. And that's a very, that's another thing. In, in every Star Wars movie, they have to include the line, I've that's got a true. bad feeling about this. And, uh, you know, I I think, and in the whole I know, I love you, I know thing, I think he's, I think Kevin Tenney's a Star Wars fan. It's a good point. And, uh, and Jim kind of looks a little bit like Han Solo. He's got a little swagger to him. He's, he's, he definitely has some swagger to him. Not going to lie. At first it took me like, I, I wasn't like, I'm not totally into his acting, but I can tell you he has chemistry. He has an X factor because I couldn't like look away, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, 
Uh, I think his hair gets longer. I think they shot this out of sequence because his hair seems shorter in the scene than it does the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, yeah, it does. It does. And then it, when he has a little bit longer hair, I'm like, oh, he looks kind of cooler now. Well, and, and it was kind of neat because uh, when his two buddies were there, uh, before he walks in at the beginning of the scene, Mike and Lloyd uh, are talking about how does Jim do the thing with the the, the the cap on the Jim Beam, basically. They didn't really know how to do it. And then uh, when Jim walks in, he grabs the Jim Beam out of Mike's hand and does the slap spin uh, that knocks the, the cap right off. But he had to nail yeah. that on the first take or because this whole shot, this whole scene is kind of like one take. Uh, it's kind of like the yeah. same shot the whole time. So he had to do that right there. And I was like, whoa, that was really cool. It was a cool little thing that he did. It was a fun little moment right out of the gate. Yeah. And I actually really like the scene with his yeah, buddies and it kind of you know, sets the stage and Jim goes back to the party and now he's smoking and uh uh-huh, 1986 when you could just smoke inside uh, hospitals too. smoke inside right and brandon is kind of still talking to roger and roger's like well you know how can you believe in this where we get to the spirits part he's like how can you believe in spirits when you don't believe in god or satan and brandon's like well there's been evidence of their existence eyewitness accounts photographs recordings you name it and i've contacted some of them mm-hmm <laughs> And and Roger's like, with what? A Ouija, this Ouija board? And pulls out the Ouija board. And Brandon's like, Ouija. And Roger goes, what? He goes, it's pronounced Ouija, not Ouija. <laughs> By the way, drink. Drink right now, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. It comes from we, meaning we and ja, the French and German words for yes, Ouija. <laughs> and this is a planchette. And shows the, the, I didn't even know what that was. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's a planchette. Oh. I never knew what that I, was. I actually knew that. Uh, and by the way, uh, the Ouija board has a connection to Baltimore uh, back in the turn of the century. Uh, I think it was, I think it was like in the early 19, you know, oh, something, whatever. But uh, some of the founders actually were from Baltimore. And I think when they produced it later on, like in the 20s, it was like produced by the, like the Baltimore Game Company type of thing. And then I just, I, Parker, you know, whatever, Milton Bradley, whoever bought it, you know, then. But yeah, yeah so was, you can actually, I think there's a house uh, where there's a plaque in Baltimore where it says, like, uh, here's basically the house that the the term Ouija board was named, essentially, was they created the name in that house. And, uh, yeah, a little Baltimore for you there, guys. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Uh, definitely never go to that house. That's for uh, sure. We and Ja, meaning yes, yes, or in my case, no. Well, no. the bottom, I believe, is a Seven Eleven now, so it's kind of moot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I love this because uh, Lloyd, who so Jim is sitting like in a in a chair, and Lloyd sitting next to him, and Lloyd's like, "I don't care what you call it, dude. It's still just a toy, like Monopoly or checkers." And Brandon goes. For your information, friend, the Ouija board has been around since recorded history. It was in wide use as far back as 540 B.C. Mm. And Jim's like, well, I guess if Barbie dolls had been around that long, you'd be talking to them too, huh? <laughs> My note here is Jim is real catty. Yeah, he's, he's a little, yeah, he totally. <laughs> and, real uh, quick, real and goes, quick, what is that ring on Brandon's finger? Did you notice that on his pinky, that, yes. like, amethyst? No, no, it was, like, blue or turquoise or something like that. But I was like, God, that's ugly. What is that all about? I I guess it's to show, like, because he's, like, this elitist kind of rich guy, right? So, ale- allegedly, Ugh. you know, 
Turns out he's actually cool kind of. Oh, cool no, 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 this is about. great. I mean, again, th- this is all so it throws you off at first. But by the end of it, I love Brandon. Um, and then on repeat viewings, uh, I, I do think you, you have a better understanding of what the dynamic is. And I think a, yes. a lesser film would have had this scene maybe 15 minutes further into the film when having a lot of buildup. I think it's genius to have this scene now and just drop us right into the chaos of this three-way relationship. I, and without knowing oh, yeah. anything, I think it's I think it's brilliant, to be truthful with you. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. And it's about to get really even more awkward than it yeah. was just a minute yeah. ago. Because Brandon and Jim are kind of arguing back and forth. And then Linda's like, can we just play the game? Like, Can we just play? Can we play the Ouija? You know? And so suddenly Brandon's like, it's so funny because he, he takes it so seriously, but then he's like, okay, I'll show off this cool skill I have, you know? And he goes, all right. <clears throat> well, now for the best results, the Ouija should be used by only two people, a man and a woman. It shouldn't be sitting on a table. It should sit on our knees so there's as much body as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, also, the two people should have clean, pure systems. That's why the flow of energy flows through us to the planchette. It, it needs to be as strong as it can be. You're, you're slowly morphing into the rich guy on Gilligan's Island. Oh, love lover. <laughs> and then Linda's like, you mean spirits actually enter us? And Brandon's like, mm, don't worry. It's perfectly safe. Mm. And she's like, well, what do you mean by clean? He's like, well, someone who doesn't smoke or drink like you care to give it a try. Mm. And she's like, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, good. Well, I don't smoke either, and I haven't been drinking tonight. So together, we should be able to make a clear, strong contact. <laughs> Which is really funny, because I'm like, okay, dude, your girl is sitting on the at the couch with this dude, knees touching. He's, like, totally pawing her. I would be super pissed. I'd be like, bro, what the hell are you doing? And I'd be like, Linda, what are you doing? Yeah, again, first time viewing. No clue what's happening here, guys. Why would... now? Because at this point, I'm like, okay, I understand the dynamic that Linda's with Jim. And I'm like, now I'm like, why is Jim just letting this guy, Brandon, like, yeah, totally have his way with, with his girlfriend, you know? But then meanwhile, he's in the kitchen. And she's like, I love you. And he just goes, I know. Yeah. Like, you know, like a and, dick. And this is when I so, leaned to... Like, does he not care? This is when I leaned to Myra. I'm like... Who's the protagonist here? Who am I supposed to like? Well, yeah, because because Jim Jim even like you know has a little retort. He's like, oh, Betty wants a clear, strong contact. And I'm like, dude, your guy. Okay, so if this guy's making moves on your girl, you just punch yeah, him. And, like party's over. Of being catty party's about over. it. <laughs> He's over sitting over there. Like, do you want to watch them? Like, are you kind of into that? Is that your is he thing? a cuck? <laughs> yeah, you a cuck. What's a cuck? A cuckold. It's yeah, when uh, it's it's when I. You, I guess the guy has to be participating, but you allow your wife to be fucked by somebody else. It turns you on to have your significant other <laughs> fucked by somebody else. Oh, I never yeah. knew that. I really didn't. Yeah, it's a cuck. So <laughs> I don't think Jim's a cuck, One but more he's thing. acting like a cuck. <laughs> One more thing before we start. The spirits are lousy spellers, and a lot of them like to lie. So just play it safe. I'm going to try and contact David, the spirit of a little boy who died in the 
<laughs> 30 years ago. I'm like, whoa, how do you know about this boy, David, yeah. who died 30 years ago? How are you? Why are you boy, contacting, contacting a 10-year-old boy? <laughs> What's yeah. going on here? I have a feeling, though, that there was more to this story. Like, we probably know more about David's backstory in, a like, a director's cut, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Roger's like, wait, you actually talked to spirits before? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've contacted him several times. For some reason, he's connected I'm. Uh, he's connected to me uh, and to this particular board. And Linda's like, why? He's like, I don't really know. But for some reason, every Ouija board seems to have its own dominant spirit. Like, these, this is the moment in the movie where I was like, I can't show this to my wife, Kristen, because she is a medium and she does speak to spirits, you mm-hmm. know, but like legit. In fact, she was on uh, our boy David in uh, Roxy Drive, uh, Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. If you want a cool paranormal podcast, check out her her show. It's really good. It's really well it's, produced. It's, it's really it's really really cool. And actually, I was on there too. So both uh, oh, yeah, yeah, me right. and uh, Kristen Fem French ha- have an episode. So yeah, go check them out. We've, cool. been, we've been plugging them in. If you're listening to the uh, the the version of the show that has ads, I'll, I'll I usually put in a Deadly Debbie ad. Yes. Uh, been doing it for a bit now. So yeah, check check out Deadly Debbie. It's it's an awesome podcast. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. And now back to the show. I mean, it's kind of kind of fitting to talk about it. I I would love actually if we ever do a follow up, maybe on a on a uh, when we do our wrap up show, we could get her on and get her thoughts about which. Yeah, board. no, actually, it's a really good idea because I was I was thinking about maybe trying to because I we loved having David on that one wrap up. I was thinking about maybe trying to have more like guests on wrap up or something like that. And I think you're cool. right. I think having Roxy on there, Roxy Drive, would be fantastic. Yeah, come on, come on, Roxy. <laughs> do this okay anyways i i love this i love this because <laughs> they're talking about the board and um and he's like for some reason you know uh every ouija board ha- seems to uh, have its own dominant spirit and maybe that's this board was made the day david died and jim's like well, how do you know that board how do you know when that board was made and he goes well well david told me <laughs> he's like and jim goes how do you know he wasn't lying? You said they liked to lie, didn't you? And Linda's like, come on, come on. Let's just give it yeah. a try. Come on. I, I'm, I'm titillated no, I mean, right now. Solid <clears throat> question by Jim. You know, that was, a, that was a good observation by Jim, I should say. And, and Brandon yeah, I mean, didn't really have anything to come back for it. Solid observation from a guy who, you know, blue collar guy who, <clears throat> maybe he was like a pre-med student. Maybe he's actually really smart. <laughs> no, wait. Blue collar guys are smart. I'm not I, no dissing there at all. I, I've done a shit ton of blue collar jobs. So mad props to all you guys out there doing that stuff. Good, good save, Anyways, buddy. Brandon, good save. It's true. I know. No, I, I know. Auto body it's shop. Still a good save though. Auto repair shop. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's true. Anyways, uh, you're not, the, not no no holes. I'm going to be digging myself. You're in, not me. Right? You're not me, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and Brandon's like, all right, all right. 
and he puts the you know they get ready ready on the board. David, are you here? Can you hear me? I'm exaggerating, guys. He's not that douchey, but it's pretty damn yeah, close. I mean, you are exaggerating, but you're not exaggerating that much. <laughs> You're you're definitely not doing you, as many mouth motions as he makes, though. No, no. Yes, he's, he's it's like protruding. Yeah, he's got a lot of like mouth stuff going on. I mean, he's great. I mean, again, he's he's got a very he's got a very distinct style of acting, and and it's and clearly it does very well in, in soaps. And and honestly, in the yes. um, he seemed like a very nice guy in, in the documentary in the making of. And how cool is that that he actually took the time to do it when he clearly doesn't have to, you know? So no, I I think it's I think it's all intentional. Yeah. I think you're supposed to be like, oh, this guy mm-hmm. is such a tool bag, you know? Um, anyways, yeah, he it, it's he's like talk, David. Are you there? Can you hear me? And Linda's like, "Oh, can I talk to him?" <laughs> How old are you? And then suddenly the planchette starts moving around. Oh, sorry, I I, I jumped the shark. Uh, so that's terrible use of that term. But after it's like, "David, are you here? Can you hear me?" Suddenly the the planchette starts moving around the board, and everyone everyone gets excited. And Linda's like, "Ooh!" And that's when she asks if she can talk to him. And, and and asks how old he is, and then the number go, uh, the planchette goes to the, over to the number the number eight. He goes, nope, thank you, goodbye, and he immediately like like gets rid of the guy or the spirit yes. or whatever. And I was like, oh wow, oh wow, oh cool, okay. Yeah, he's like, oh, ready. He he like wants to get up and leave at this yeah. point. And then Linda's like, well, why'd you stop? And he's like, well, that wasn't David. And Linda's like, well, then who was it? He goes, I don't know. I told you they like to lie. And then she's like, well. And, and Roger's like, well, how do you know it wasn't David? And Brandon goes, David was 10 when he died, not eight. Besides, we have a special signal that no other spirit knows. <laughs> like, you have a special signal with a little boy? <laughs> yeah, seriously. This sounds really suspect, yeah. dude. Anyways, Linda's like, boy, this is a little spooky. Huh? And then Lloyd's like, yeah, and it's a lot of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and Lloyd's wearing his sunglasses the whole time in here. He's like inside wearing his sunglasses. He's got his long hair. Yeah. It's so funny, man. It's it's a really funny moment. It's actually it's one of the it's a great way to open the film. And then uh and then they go back to to, to, to the planchette and try again. Right. And Brent Brandon's like, David, David, can you hear me? Would you like to talk to us? And the and the planchette moves to yes. And he goes, David, is that you? And suddenly uh, the planchette starts moving in a, in a figure eight. And Linda's like, it's moving in a figure eight. And he's like, and Brandon goes, that's David's signal. <laughs> Want to talk to him? Go ahead. And Linda's like, hello, David. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> she says to Brandon. <laughs> it's like, David, do you know me? David, will you turn to the living one day? And it moves to Yes. And Linda's like, reincarnation? Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. She's, like, get, super getting into it. And then um, after he asks if he knows me and, and will he return to living, it keeps moving to yes and yes. And then uh, Brandon's like, well, that's, that's what all of them say, reincarnation. David, will you be able to choose your parents when you return? And it goes back to yes. And Jim's like, this is bullshit. And Brandon's like, why? You can't believe you were stupid enough to pick your parents? And Jim's like, hey, I don't talk to the cardboard. <laughs> and then he goes, careful, Jim. You're upsetting David. <laughs> because the planchette starts moving around erratically. Yeah. 
And Jim's like, well, what's he going to do? Haunt me? And Brandon's like, David, are you all right? And Jim's like, of course he's all right. He's just a little dead. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Love this shit. Jim's, so Jim's more of a douchebag than Brandon is. Oh, totally. And then Brandon's like, shut up, Jim. David, are you all right? David. And Linda's like, oh, God, it's really racing. Because, like, the, the, the planchette's moving all over the board. And then Jim's like, well, maybe he's a little late for the last flight back to limbo. <laughs> that was a good, that was a solid dig right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly the thing's like moving around super crazy. And then whoosh, like the Ouija just flips in the air. And and like, uh, and you hear a bang at the same time. Like the board knocks off their legs and the planchette flies off and that's, the air. That, flies that, up. that startled me. I was like, oh, that, that, there's a couple uh, good jump scares in this movie. Oh yeah, the, the in the third act there is one particular that's f- still haunting to this day. Still haunting to this day. Anyways, uh, yeah, there's like this loud bang at the same time, and Lynn is like, "Well, what's that noise?" And 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 Lloyd's like, "Sound like a gunshot." And uh, and then they look out the window, and he's like, "Well, who own, who owns the sports car outside?" And and suddenly Jim and Brandon's like, "Oh no, oh no!" And Brandon's like, "I do why?" And Lloyd's like, "Well." Those tires are history, bud. <laughs> and then Brandon's like pissed, and and Jim looks, and Jim's all happy. Jim like looks so fucking euphoric, and Brandon's like, my life is ruined. Then they run outside, and they go to Brandon's red sports car, and he's got flat tires, right? And Brandon's like, thanks a lot, Morar. And Jim's like, what? This this isn't my fault. Brandon's like, those tires are brand new. How do you explain it? Jim goes, I suppose your friend Casper did it. <laughs> Brandon's like, that's right, because you made him angry. <laughs> Jim goes, why didn't he flatten my tires? Brandon's like, because I was in control of the board. He held me responsible. And Jim's like, you're crazy, dude. So, so that was actually like a, a story that the director slash writer had heard from somebody um, when they when he was really? doing research on this that uh, a similar sort of thing happened where people were doing it at a party and somebody was kind of egging somebody on and the guy's car uh, who was doing it, his car got the flat tire. And when Kevin, the director, asked like, wait, why didn't the other guy's tire, you know, the, the antagonist get the flat tire? And the response was because he was controlling the board, the the um, the ghost, you know, viewed him as being responsible because he was controlling the board. And that's exactly oh, how shit. it is here. So, yeah, he, he, he drew that from, quote unquote, real life. You know, take that with a grain of salt. And then the knife slash ketchup thing later was also like another, quote unquote, true story that he had researched and found out about, too. Well, that's creepy. Well, that's really creepy. Well. Uh, there's a little bit of allusion to like Jim's backstory here because because uh, Brandon says something like you know you're you're a loser in a family of lo- great tradition of losers and and that's and then Jim kind of like goes after him and Linda holds him back like he wants to beat the shit out of him and they're like getting ready to fight and Linda's like Jim and then everyone like stops and just like stares at each other and that's how the scene ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, no fight, nothing. Later that night, Jim's get in, getting into bed. Linda's getting into bed. And Linda's like, well, thanks for ruining my party, right? And Jim's like, well, you're welcome, but don't worry. The night's still young. Like, he wants to get laid, you know. 
And that's when you, at this point you think, oh, this is never going to have like this nice sex scene, which is what would often happen in most late night skin f- Skinamax movies, but this is not a Skinamax movie. It's a classy horror film. It, it, honestly, classy. it is. It is not exploitative at all. You, I mean, yeah. there's so many times where, yeah, a, a more a more sleazy director would have put her in it, just skimpier outfits. I mean, it, she's in a freaking like man suit at the end of the movie. Like, it's really even with the set, the nude scene and towards the end, even with the shower scene, it still does not feel like like she's on display as a piece of meat in this movie. This movie does no, not no. feel like a, a Cinemax film. Like like I do think like Witchboard Two, I think they lean more into that kind of stuff and everything. But this one, honestly, yeah. they're they're trying to make a legit movie at this point. Yeah, and I love that. I hats off to them for sure. Um, yeah, they're kind of having a back and forth exchange, and this is this is actually kind of an interesting moment because. You know, she's like, you ruined my night. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. I'm sorry about the crisis in the Middle yeah. East or something like that. Some snarky comment. And she's like, that's it. And he's like, come on, babe. You knew you were taking a chance when you invited him. I knew your heart was in the right place, but it didn't work out. Like, then you start realizing, oh, wait, what's the dynamic here? What invited him? Okay. You know, and she goes, well, Jim, you promised not to start anything. He's like, I kept my promise. He's the one that started it, which is kind of true in a way. Sort of, yeah. At least that's the first time we see – the first dig we see is Brandon digging Yeah, true, true. And then Jim has a a fantastic delivery when he says, what did you want me to do, sit there and take it? Like, it was great. That that delivery was fantastic. It's a telling moment because you're like, wait, this guy – there's something else going on with this guy with his backstory, especially when Brandon, like said, you know, called his family a bunch of losers or whatever. Yeah, and he, like, uh, something's happening. Yeah, here. and Brandon earlier in the party made also some allusion to drinking, like your dad or something like that. Your dad's a drunk, something like that. Yeah, or your family. Yeah, it's you're you're getting the yeah. pieces again. This is what's cool about it. Uh, on the first time viewing, it's so jarring, and I think this is when I said to Myra, because I mean, Jim's acting like a dick here too, and I'm like, yeah. is, is he the main character? Who, like, who am I supposed to like here? You know? Because do am I supposed to like Tawny? Because she was kind of like flirting. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it, she was actually exactly. So like, yeah. So Brandon. I'm like, am, is Tawny the, the the main character? Because she yeah. was cozying up next to Brandon, really nice. Although. They, it wasn't that flirty on her end to be truthful with you. It wasn't flirty on her end. Um, but yeah, it's very confusing, but it rewards multiple viewings. It does. And this next, so they start kind of like they make up and they start making out and in the, in the camera cuts away. I just want to say before the camera cuts away, Myra pointed this out and we had to rewind it when she kind of goes into bed to him, he grabs her. He's got some kind of booger thing on his on his pink on his um thumb, and 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 then a, a different camera shot, and he she's kind of on top of him, and he's grabbing her. It's on his right thumb. He still has that booger thing. So I was like, okay, maybe it's like a weird mole, <laughs> and it's right on the tip. It's right on the tip of his thumb, and then in later scenes, it's gone. So it's not a mole. It was something on his thumb, and it was in between takes and stuff. Here's my here's my theory about that they shot this out of sequence they shot this after the construction scenes maybe he hit himself uh, with the hammer okay okay good call yeah maybe there was something blood cut and, and it wasn't yeah blood blister. okay yeah. all right maybe yeah. i don't know but that i uh, will we'll, we'll, let's go with booger because it just sounds better let's also go with as the camera's panning away 
<laughs> it goes back into the living room for a creepy moment, but you hear them kind of giggling in pillow talk. Uh, I don't want you to picture Linda talking to Jim when you guys watch this movie again. I want you to picture Tawny Katane talking to O.J. Simpson. <clears throat> Why do I love you so much? Because I'll make you laugh. <laughs> and she goes, yeah. And and Woody Allen makes me laugh, too. I know, but I'm sixier. <laughs> and I didn't rape my daughter. <laughs> Wait, is that what O.J. did? Oh, no. Oh, well, that's yeah, what Woody that Allen geez. did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what did you like? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm hearing that, I'm like, oh, this is not aging no, well. Yeah. Oh, this is not. This is really funny, though. And, and it was a, it's actually a cool shot because I was expecting the board to, like, move or do something but nothing happens, and they do a quick cut. Then it cuts to like uh, a, a, the construction site with the the whistle blowing. So that's that's the jump scare that they try to do, but they don't actually give you a jump scare right there. But what I like about this is, yeah, it cuts back to the living room and closes closes near the uh, the Ouija, tightens it in on the Ouija board, and it's supposed to make you think that something mm-hmm. is going to happen. Yeah, and then there's like the whistle, the the lunchtime bell at the at the job site. But it is a creepy moment. I love just quiet, creepy moments yeah. like that. It's, where you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Especially since what you're expecting to happen in that second, you know, before it cuts to the construction site, you get that payoff in the very last shot of the movie. And that's what you were expecting in in this shot. And it, again, that, that that's great. That's great filmmaking right there because he kind of sets it up, sets up your expectations, and then he actually pays it off at the very very end of the film yeah no it's great i love it i love it it's again very well done this you guys are going to hear us say that a lot because i mean it's so weird man going in if you would ask me 10 minutes into this film what i thought of it after the first scene i would have been like all the acting is terrible everyone is trash i hate this movie but you know it looks great i like all the costumes but i was like these are all trash people and then you realize that no there's a really good script here that that sometimes the actors can't quite make sort of work but we're talking like it works like 85% of the movie. You know what I mean? Like it definitely overdoes than, than not, you know? And, and my note, like, and just to illustrate this, and it was sort of in the scene that we're talking about, Tawny Katane, I, I think she does a 80% fantastic job in this movie. The scene when she's talking to Jim post uh, party, she can't pull off angry as well. You know, she just doesn't have the chops for it. I didn't think right here. Um, She's not really good with, with a whole lot. She doesn't have a a whole lot of range, but, but, but that being said, it it doesn't, I think watching this movie as a time capsule movie is what makes it better because you're like, that's kind of the way it was back then. Like nowadays we're so used to a a level of acting. That's a more kind of better. (laughs) But this was entertaining. It's entertaining, yeah. nevertheless. And, and again, don't get me wrong. Like I, I remarkably, yeah, yeah. I think Tawny Katane does a fantastic job in this film. But she's not. She's not a freaking. You know, she, she's not Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? Like it's just she's not. That's that's just a fact. And there's some parts that she doesn't quite land it. But again, she lands like eighty-five or ninety percent of of it in. That in and of itself is pretty fucking remarkable. It is. And you know what else is kind of remarkable? It just dawned on me. There's only one scene in this movie where she's outside. Think oh, about interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The cemetery yeah. scene. That's hmm. it. That's it. Hmm. Everything else is interior. 
Interesting. She's never been outside. Okay. Good oh. note. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good talk. Uh, so yeah. So from there we cut to a job site, and um, and 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 Jim is there. Lloyd is there, and Lloyd's looking around for something. And Lloyd's like, you know, what's wrong? And Lloyd's like, I can't find my hammer. Oh, foreshadow up the wazoo more so than like a, a Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, you're saying Lloyd's looking for his hammer. Uh, it's Jim who's looking for his. Uh, hammer. Sorry, Jim. Sorry, Jim's looking for his hammer, and Lloyd's like, well, you can use mine. He says that. He says, you can use mine. But what he does is he, Lloyd throws his axe hammer. It's an axe hammer. Yeah. So the one side has an axe blade. The other side is a hammer. He throws his axe hammer at Jim and it lands right by Jim's face. Yeah. And it's and, it, and Lloyd's like, use mine. And what they did was they actually did uh, a reverse shot with that. So Jim is like, in oh. the movie, Jim is looking down and he's startled and looking up when the axe hits there. He didn't, they did it in reverse. It's, you know, very simple, you know, thing to do. Jim was looking and then he looks down. He just, Jim had to act in reverse, you know? But yeah, that was, yeah. uh, that was just a reverse, uh, camera shot type of thing. Well, it, it's really intense. Yeah. And it's, th- this exchange is really funny because, because <laughs> Jim's like, you could have killed me. And, <laughs> and Lloyd, I wrote down, I said, this is a bad Eric Roberts impression from, a pub of Greenwich Village, and he, if you guys know what I'm talking about, he's like, Charlie, you cut off my thumb. Because Lloyd goes, nah, but then you could have come back and flattened my tires. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. I love this I love dude. Lloyd, like, I want to see more of this guy. <laughs> Lloyd rules. We're not going to see a whole lot no. more in just a minute. Um, anyways, they both laugh. They cut back to Linda in in her living room, and she's uh, she goes over to the answering machine. She presses play, and you hear like a a nurse call in, and the nurse is like, you know, Miss Brewster, this is Doctor Gelino or whatever her name is. Uh, we have the results of your test back from the lab. You can call us today at, uh, until th- like one o'clock or something. She looks at the clock. Did you see that clock, dude? Yes. Insane. It was like yeah. There's some sort of saw feature on the front. It's it's kitschy. It's it's goofy. It's it's so 1986. I was like, wow. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. She she's like, uh, call me back before 12:30 or something like that, and it's already five to one. Yeah. So on this, yeah, this god awful looking clock, god awful looking clock. And then there's another ant machine. It's Brandon. Hello, Linda. It's Brandon. <laughs> I just realized I left my Ouija there. The my Ouija. Could you bring it? Could you bring it to class this Friday? I'm having some friends over Sunday and they want to use it. Besides, I want to contact David and see if he's calmed down yet. Well, see you Friday. Bye. Like he, so is now Brandon a professor? Yeah, that's that what, what I was going to ask. Does Brandon teach or is he in the law school with Tawny and or Linda and everybody? I I wasn't quite sure to be honest with you. Um, I got the sense, like if you if you just ask me, I, I think he's the professor. That's what my thought is. Yeah, yeah, like he's this. Well, I'm just gonna go teach. It's what I do. I'm gonna talk to little boys named David. <laughs> yeah, and teach. gonna go live in Malibu. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, so Linda, you know, the, the answering machine goes off, and then she sees the Ouija board, and she goes over to it, and she. Decides to start talking to David. Drink because Zach said Ouija board and not Ouija. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Ouija. 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 Drink three times, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, David, David, are you here? And suddenly the planchette moves and she gets startled and she's like, 
David, is that you? And the planchette moves to yes. Did you notice that that the planchette does not do a figure eight though? No. Good call, buddy. I, Good I started call. I started tracking that. That was one of the things I started tracking uh, on on you know the, my notes viewing, and I was like, cool. Let me see how this does. And honestly. Uh, you know, credit where credits due, they do a good job in this movie, kind of keeping it consistent when it's not David not having to be the figure eight. Totally, uh, continuity is king. Yep. Continuity is king. I appreciate. Yep, that's that. why. Uh, that's why Jim had the booger on his uh, finger in one shot, and they had to keep that booger on the finger in the next shot. Yeah, you got that booger. We're gonna keep that <laughs> keep shit because I ain't filming that scene again, man. Um, so I, I love this because she's like, "Can you really choose your next parents?" And and the we just says yes, and she goes, "Do you know why I'm asking?" And he says, "Yes, the test was positive, wasn't it?" Yes, I knew it. So so would you like to be? No. <laughs> she doesn't get a chance to even ask if she wants. Why would you want a dead ten-year-old boy to be your? son what the fuck is going yeah. on this is so weird and and she's like no why not how come do you like me and it says yes then why won't you choose me and it starts uh doing the letters it goes to j i m because of jim you don't like him no he's a really nice guy he's just no boy you all agree <laughs> You like to hold a grudge don't you and then it goes to the planchette moves over to Linda is, you know, staring at it. And she's like, David, nothing. David, are you still there? Cuts back to the job site. And you see the axe hammer uh, on top of the house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's like a for again, foreshadowing kind of pans down from there. And oh, real quick, I wanted to mention it earlier when we got to the construction site this totally reminded me it's like it's clearly like simi valley or something like that but it totally yes. reminds me of return of the living dead part two like just these just the way that the town looks and what they're working on and everything and man i, I dude i guess what mid 80s there must have been just a massive uh suburban expanse uh right or expansion into simi valley and the desert and everything in, in oh, yeah. la because you know we see in poltergeist that's a that's a new town development uh the gate uh, the gate the uh the gates return of the limited part two i feel like i feel like in the 80s there were a lot of suburban uh you know, neighborhoods that were like under construction and everything. And I, I, I guess that's, it, I'm sure uh, some sort of historian can probably say, yeah, there was a, probably a mass, you know, uh, exodus, a suburban exodus in, in the eighties. I don't know. I get the sense too, though, that it's probably easier to film, cheaper to film on a construction site because it's like, well, you know, th- th- we could just tear this shit down if yeah, we want to, yeah. you know, or whatever. Even though they're only on this construction site a couple times in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a good point. We could do top five movies with construction yeah, sites. You probably yeah. could. You really could. Run away. Run away. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Ramsey. Uh, um, um, Lethal Weapon Part 3. Yeah, 3, the the climax. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's another like it's like weird you know, desert subdivision thing. There's there's the one movie that I feel like there's a few movies out there that I that are still haven't been unearthed and one of them is a late 70s movie called Steel with um ah oh shit the guy who plays the fall guy oh, Lee Majors Lee Majors yeah 
Lee Majors, and it's about all these construction workers working on this big high rise. It's a really kick-ass mm. movie. I haven't seen it in forever. Richard uh, Lynch is in it. You know, Scarman. Yeah. I feel like uh, we haven't. And he's like a we good guy. Dipped into a '70s film in a while, dude. Oh, we oh, will. Oh, I know we it's will. You have one. It's gonna happen. You have. You're sitting on one. Oh, I'm sitting, sitting on, on one. one. Literally. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Um, yeah. So. Anyways, back to the construction site. Jim and Lloyd are kind of going back there, back and forth. They're uh, unloading like sheetrock and construction-y type stuff. And they're having a back and forth. And Jim's like, don't tell me you bought that crap with the board. And Lloyd's like, you know, Jim, do you believe in ghosts? He's like, no, of course I don't, you know. And Lloyd's like, but yeah, but the way it flew off their knees. And he's like, I don't know. He probably kicked it. He's always, uh, Jim's talking about Brandon. He's like, he's he was always about as clever as a bag full of doorknobs. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's funny. And and uh, and Lloyd's like, well, what is it with you guys? And Jim goes, well, Linda, I guess. At least that's when the friendship ended. And Lloyd's like, wait, you guys are friends? This is all important stuff. Oh, yeah, stuff. this is, this is goes, everything. This is literally the keys to the, the entire backstory right here. Yeah, and, and fun fact, uh, side note, quite often I, I, I choose movies where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have to take a whole lot of notes on dialogue because there's a lot of action that goes on. But there's a shit ton of dialogue that I got to write down in this movie. Actually, most of this movie. So that's why I went Warriors notes on this. <laughs> um, and yeah, Lloyd's like, you guys were friends? And Jim's like, best friends when we were kids. And Lloyd's like, whoa. And Jim goes, yeah, I practically grew up at Brandon's house. My folks were both alcoholics, so I stayed home as little as possible. And then he thinks I stole Linda from him, and and then you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, that that's that's a whole, they just skirted over that yeah. because wait, so he dated Linda, Brandon did, right? And then Lloyd's like, did you? And he goes, no, I didn't even know they, I didn't, I didn't even know they knew each and, other. And he he actually they, delivers that really. I think very well because you believe him there. He's like, no, I, I, I didn't even know they were dating, and they were. And yeah. you, you find out too, they were they were broken up at the time too. So yeah, you, you, yeah, Jim. Yeah, he's yeah. He said they already they already broken up by the time I met her. I've been away at school studying pre med, and Lloyd's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd is just like, dude, Lloyd's just like, what is happening right here? Like, and he, his one of his closest friends. He's like peeling his onion layer open. And he's like, he's learning so much new information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's freaking out, and Jim's like, what? You you never realized I was such a multifaceted guy? And Lloyd's like, what the hell are you doing here, man? And he's like, I never knew you had more than one brain cell. <laughs> And then, and then Jim is like, come on, you know, he's like, lunchtime's over. And, and so, so at this point now they were sitting on a stack of sheetrock eating, eating lunch. And Jim gets up, walks off away from the sheetrock. Lloyd's still on the sheetrock and he's like, well, come on, lunchtime's over. We got to get back to work. And, and then Lloyd goes, daddy, please 10 more minutes. And he lays down on the sheetrock and he puts his hat on top of his face which is which is smart on the production team because totally. they were able to yeah <clears throat> we'll talk about it in a second and then jim's like come on i i want to finish this house today and lloyd's like five more minutes and then uh jim says he goes lloyd you were bringing me way down bud and he's like you are one lazy scumbag you know that and lloyd goes and unemployment means nothing to me, pal. And right after that happens, she, 
sheetrock comes down on, crashing down on top of Lloyd. It's an amazing scene. It's a fantastic shot because uh, Jim, he's talking to Lloyd, who is now uh, essentially a dummy, but they did a great job by putting the... But you can't by, tell. You can't tell at all because he put his, he, you know, because Lloyd, the character put his hat on his, uh, on his face, so now the dummy has it too. It's perfect. So when this sheetrock falls, uh, in the documentary, uh, what's his name? Alan? Uh, the, the actor plays Jim. Todd Allen. So in the documentary, Todd Allen says, like, I mean, that was real sheetrock that they dropped. And he said when it hit, it was like a gunshot. And that was him, the actor, really sort of flying back and having to sort of recover himself. But what we're left with is an amazing death it's startling because you know you think he's gonna just get hit by the axe right and die but no he gets crushed by all this sheetrock and you see all of it like because it lands on a dummy that you don't know at the time is a dummy because they do such a fantastic job of filming it when it happened i audibly yelled oh shit like that next to my wife i was like oh my god didn't see it coming totally shocking Totally effective, even on the second viewing, just a day later, yeah. I was still shocked by it. It is, this is like fantastic filmmaking 101 right here. And and basically, really like, you should show anyone how to film a dummy correctly, basically, you know? Well, I think, I think too, you, you see this scene and you're like, oh, Final Destination totally bit off this because it, it feels like a Final Destination kind yeah. of scene where it's so shocking, you know, where... Um, but but done with without CGI or anything like that, which makes it so much. Better, oh no! Nowadays, you know, they would never have the lead actor that close to actual sheetrock falling onto a dummy and other sheetrock. You know what I mean? It's like wow. And then when they cut to yeah. Jim pulling the sheetrock off of Lloyd, like he's all yeah. spitting up blood uh, and uh, covered in sheetrock yeah, dust. Yeah, and it's just like, dude, it looks brutal as shit. Yeah, and he's totally butchered and and just destroyed yeah. by the sheetrock and dead. He's yeah. dead, unfortunately. He's dead. And and it cuts up to the uh axe hammer and with the initials JM yeah. on the axe hammer. Hint hint nudge. By nudge. the way, I've never seen a, an axe hammer before. It's like, yeah, it's normal the front part's a hammer, but then the other part where you would normally have the the pulls out the the nails, it's just a hatchet yeah. on that side. I've never seen that yeah. in my entire life. Seems pretty fucking dangerous. I mean, I've worked I've worked construction. I worked I was worked with my stepdad tile contracting for for a quite a little over a year and a half, two almost 2 years and uh would be on job sites all the time with, you know, electricians lumber uh you know um plumbers and and and, and carpenters and yeah you, you name it and i never seen one of those on a job yeah. site before what's the point but but obviously maybe they all saw a witchboard and like we're not gonna, not gonna <laughs> have this on the on the job site anymore um yeah so from there you cut back to linda still talking to davy david are you here suddenly it jumps back to yes and she's like well I'm glad you made it back, my buddy. And then suddenly the planchette spe starts spelling out the word R-I-N-G, ring. And she's like, ring? What ring? And then it starts to spell out diamond ring. And she goes, yeah, my my diamond ring. You know where it is? Yes, yes. Where? And starts spelling out D-R-A-N. She's like, Dran? 
You mean drain, like a sink drain? Yes. Which sink? Kitchen? No. Bathroom? Yes. You sure? Yes. But it's good foreshadowing with, with the whole D-R-A-N, because that's going to come back later, the, the misspelling yes. thing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And so um, she, you know, she, thanks, she thanks David, and she goes back. She goes to the bathroom, she, to like toolbox and all she's that stuff. She's handier than me, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, damn, girl, you you know what's up? And she's like, she opens up the pipe underneath the sink, uh, or of of the of the bathroom, and she cuts her finger at first, and then she grabs a toothbrush. Do you think that was like, her toothbrush, or do you think she grabbed Jim's toothbrush? Well, I'm like, damn. Well, first of all, she didn't put the brush side in; she put like the handle side in. But I'm like, still, I hope you rinse that shit off after you were done, because she sticks the toothbrush in the, in the pipe. Uh, pulls out her diamond ring. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I'm surprised she didn't know where she dropped it. She must have been, well, she must have been Probably. drunk, but maybe she doesn't yeah. drink. Uh, who knows? Anyways, um, yeah, that was disgusting, actually. And like, I hope you wash that toothbrush when you're done with yeah. it. Yeah, you know it was Jim's, by the way. <laughs> it's blue. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure hers is like pink. It's blue. So I'm yeah, sure it was right. Jim's. So she, so. I just really quick going back. So she, she sticks her finger in the pipe, cuts her finger. Um, and then she's, you know, goes up to the medicine cabinet to opens it up and she takes the toothbrush out and then leaves the medicine cabinet door open. And when she goes to put the toothbrush back, she didn't wash it. Right. She closes the medicine cabinet and Jim's standing right there. She freaks out and she goes, Jesus Christ, don't you ever sneak up on me like that? Shit. Fuck. Yeah, she just lets let the expletives fly. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. And she goes, what are you doing here? And Jim's like, I live here. He goes, what are you up to? She's like, oh, I found my ring. You know, the one we, I lost when we moved in, see? And he's like, and it's such a monumental event that she started swearing. She's like, what? He's like, your language, babe. Gosh and darn are the strongest words I've ever heard you use. And since when do you become a plumber? Uh, yeah, since when did you become Josephine the plumber? <laughs> she's like, oh, well, you'll never guess. Well, I asked David where my ring was. And he's like, David who? And she goes, you know, David, the spirit of the little boy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't want to hear that shit. Well, I mean, it's like, well, also, first of all, <laughs> just say what happened. Like, babe. Like, I know. Like, I'm like, it took him this, like, that should have been the first thing coming out of his one mouth. Of your clo- it doesn't. I know. One of your closest friends just fucking got killed. So, cause, cause this, this is the exchange. She's like, well, she says, what's the matter? What are you doing home so early? And he's, and so first thing out of his mouth, Lloyd's dead. That should have yeah. been. But like, no, this is what, what he says. Well, they closed the site early. There was an accident again, again, like, dude, and he goes, Lloyd, Lloyd was killed. And she's <laughs> like, what? How? And he's like, oh. She rock wasn't secured properly. It fell, and she's like, "Oh God, babe, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And they're hugging each other. And she's like, "I never liked you working, doing construction. It's dangerous." And he's like, "Everything's dangerous, babe." I was like, "Yeah, that was such a weird line. Everything's dangerous." I mean, it's a weird exchange. The first thing out of his mouth should have been, "He should, you know, J- Lloyd's dead." I guess this cuts a little bit to him being like not caring about people. Yeah, so to they speak, they do imply that. Brandon implies that later. Um, yeah, I guess so. I still 
would have probably had this scene play out a bit differently. Maybe just have him look like just totally like, you know, in shock and then have her be like, what's wrong? And then he can, you know, start talking about it or whatever. But yeah, but then they had to add in that information about her, you know, cussing. And of course, like, you know, you realize that what that is, is them peppering in the whole thing of the, uh, was it progressive entrapment? Like that's a part of it is, is her basically, you know, being agitated is, is, is a piece of that puzzle. Uh, or it could also yeah. be becoming a mother, you know, those are also the same well, symptoms as becoming a mom. Oh, you mean progressive entang- uh, entrapment is the same symptoms as becoming a mom. Interesting. This is clearly written by a man <laughs> <laughs> who has kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you 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 cut to like her in bed, oh, her right? Her in bed in broad daylight, like yeah. Uh, next yeah, to, I wrote yeah. down. I said, "Is it this like three p.m. in the yeah, afternoon?" Dude. Yeah, I, I I read that too because yeah, you cut from the scene we're just at. Now it's a scene of of Linda in bed, and my God, is it three p.m.? It is not morning sun, nothing. It no. is dead broad daylight. I don't know what day this is to be truthful with you, but it's weird. I don't either. And 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 let's not forget, folks, she has not left her house once. Yeah, yet. no. Now that you said that, I honestly want to rewatch the movie and and <laughs> take note of that. I do know she leaves the house once to go get the the Ouija board out of the trash, but that doesn't count because it's still the oh, same. It's times. still the same like house. So I think. All of yeah. her shooting was at the funeral, the hospital for a couple scenes, and here. But this was the bulk yes. of it, was the Waxworks house. where the, she. So I guess they probably shot all of her stuff just in a chunk like that. Yeah, because she uh, she runs out of, the, uh, out of bed to go throw up. And then they cut to the Ouija yeah. board. Like, ooh, shit. Anyways, uh, from there you cut to the, yeah, the funeral. And um, it's... You know, everybody's it's kind of the end of the funeral. Everyone's leaving. And then uh, Detective Dewhurst walks up and he's like, Mr. Marar. Yeah. And he's like, I'm uh, my name's Detective Dewhurst, you know, and he's like, he's like police. He goes, he goes, um, he's like, I'm the, I'm the homicide because he's, he's homicide. Uh, he's or something like that. He's like, I'm the homicide detective. I'm the bomb squad guy. I'm the truancy officer of this town. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm also the bomb squad and the truancy officer. Do you like magic? Yeah. I mean, like it, by the way, right away, right away. You, know, you see him walking up and, and just picture Corey just sitting there. Yeah. Okay. Watch, watching the scene at a funeral, yeah, at a funeral, at a funeral. And Tawny Katane looks fantastic with like her, her black guy suit on, you know, and, and like yep. the black fedora. I mean, she looks fan fucking tastic. Um, and then, you know, do her strolls up and I'm like, okay, you know, is it really, you know, really nice for the, the cop to talk to you at the funeral? You know, although I'll push yes. back because my first thought is like, that's kind of why would a cop ever do that? I'll push back and say, this is 1986. I guarantee you he's like, well, if I'm going to talk to people, they're probably all going to be at the funeral. This is probably because you can't, you know, it wasn't the day of cell phones. You can't just call people, track them down. Like he was probably like, you know what? This is probably the best place. But, bro, like one sentence in and I'm in love with Lieutenant Dewhurst. Like one sentence. Right out of the gate. He is chemistry through the roof. It it, just picture picture uh, Leslie, uh, Leslie Nielsen's delivery in Airplane. 
but in a serious horror film where he's like, you like magic tricks, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and he starts talking about, uh, you know, a, a certain magic trick and, and, and Jim's like, yeah, I guess. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I never had the hands for it. And, uh, and then Jim's like, well, how do you defuse bombs? He's like, I don't know. Uh, no one's ever planted a bomb yeah. here. <laughs> he's like, ever been to Vegas? They got these two guys there. These, these guys, Siegfried no. and Roy. No, 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 buddy. He says Sigmund and Roy. And I noted, I go, what? Sigmund and Roy? What? It's, isn't it Siegfried <laughs> and Roy? That. Was there ever a Sigmund and Roy? The only Sigmund I know of is like HR Puff and stuff, right? I, I don't know, man. You know what? I'm going to look. It's not Sigmund. It's Sigmund. I, I know it's Sigmund. Well, that's what we know. So I'm actually, while you keep talking with the scene, I'm going to really quick look and see if there was ever a Sigmund in Roy. No, I'm sure there was not. And what I what I like about this is that, you know, he's throwing, he's, he's like this good cop attitude with Jim and Linda and he's bringing all these random things up and you think they're random talking about magic, but, but at the end he goes, yeah, you know, they, they, he's like talking about the magic that they can do. And he goes, I like to try to figure out how they, how they do that. And, and you start realizing he's being, he's using psychology with him because he's alluding that however Lloyd was killed was mysterious, yes. right? Yeah. Something happened and we want to know, What's up? And he goes, I understand you were with him when the uh, talking about Lloyd, you know, I, when when the lumber fell on him and he's like, and you lost your hatchet. He, he goes, have you found it? He goes, no, I had to buy a new one. He's like, oh, just vanished, huh? Which is interesting because it ties into the whole magic discussion, mm-hmm. which is really no, cool. It's, it's awesome. And he's like, he's like, just just vanished into thin air, huh? And Jim's like, yeah, nothing up my sleeve. And Dewhurst is like, touche. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I'm I glad you mentioned that because I, you know me, I always say touche if it's something. If you if you one-up me, if you win, that's usually my response will always be touche. So when he said it, I was like, yeah, dude, you rock. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love, yeah, he's super cool. So Dewhurst leaves, you know, and, uh, and he walks off and... Linda's like, well, you didn't tell me you were with him. He's like, well, I didn't think it was important. She's like, important? Jim, you could have been killed. He goes, but I wasn't. It was an accident. That's all, just an accident. And she's like, well, he's not so sure. Neither am I. Before we cut scenes, uh, two things. One, I did a quick search. As far as I can tell, there's never been a Sigmund in Roy. No, there's no Sigmund. I, I know. You don't even need to look it up. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's definitely never been a Sigmund. Sigmund. Was there a Sigmund in Fruit? <laughs> and then, dude, at the end of the scene, uh, probably the closest shot of Tawny's face in the movie, camera shot, does, does Tawny Katane have two colored eyes? Like, one eye looked a lot, like, greener than the other one. And then I, I didn't know if, like, that's, like, her thing or something. But even Myra pointed out, she goes, oh, I think Tawny Katane has, a, like, a green and a, a blue eye or something. I don't think so. Maybe it was just the lighting reflection so. or something like that. A- ask OJ. <laughs> Back to Linda with her new obsession, her little 10-year-old friend. Uh, she's talking to David. David, did you cause the accident at the site? No. Don't lie to me. No. Are you still mad at Jim? And he and he wasn't lying because when she's communicating with him here, it's doing the figure eight. It is. You're right. Not, good call. Good call. Um, and then it's he's not answering her. She's like, David, David. And suddenly the room is super silent. 
and phone uh, phone rings, ring right, and it's Brandon, and he's and he's like Linda, where are you? And she's like, what? He goes, you were supposed to bring my Ouija board. <clears throat> You're supposed to bring my Ouija board to class. <laughs> Drink. It's Ouija. Drink. Drink. It's Ouija. No reasons. <laughs> you were supposed to bring my Ouija board to class yesterday. She's like, oh, God, Brandon, I'm so sorry. It completely slipped my mind. I went to the funeral with Jim. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, dude, yeah, his friend died. He, she went to the funeral, and he's, like, annoyed that, oh, of, of course. How's he taking it? He's sleeping. Oh, that figures. She's like, that's not fair, Brandon. He goes, isn't tell me. Did he cry at the funeral? <laughs> and and when he says, like, is he he's sleeping or something like that, then Brandon gives him some shit. My note is, let Jim sleep. He's had a rough yeah. day. But then but- he kind of does a dick thing in a second. And I was like, never mind. Jim's back to being a dick again. Yeah, Jim, Jim's a dick because because and Brandon's right because Brandon's like face it, Linda. The man has ice in his veins. I've known him ever since he I was seven, and I've never seen him cry once, not for anybody or anything. Mm. <laughs> and then and then uh, Linda's like Brandon, how often have you contacted David? And he's like David, I don't know, quite a few times. Why? She's like, have you ever seen him angry before? He goes, No, never. Did we just change subjects when I wasn't looking? <laughs> and she's like, Brand- Brandon, I'm worried. I've been using the Ouija. And he's like, alone? Dun, dun, dun. And meanwhile, I wrote down Adidas outfit because Brandon has the kick-ass Adidas outfit on. He's got a great tracksuit. I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Linda goes, she's like, yeah, I have. And he's like, Linda, listen to me. And suddenly... The phone cuts out. Hello? And then Jim's like, hello. (laughs) And then she's like, God damn it, I told you about sneaking up on me. He's like, I'm sorry. I'll start wearing a bell, okay? She's like, no, just rattle your fucking head once. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I I said, oh, never mind. He's back to his old dick dick self. Yeah, and and he's like, well, what the hell's eating you? And uh, it's so interesting because during this time... Uh, that this movie came out, my brother was like, I think, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 years old. He has this friend, uh, Ray, still does, close friend. And Ray um, had a girlfriend at the time. I forget her name now. Anyways, like, they used to argue all the time. And she'd be like, fuck you, Ray. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, the mouth that's, <laughs> what is going on with these people? I don't, I'm like, do you kiss your mom with swear. that mouth? <laughs> yeah. I think you did. And then we used to give Ray shit. We're like, hey, Ray, you kiss your mom with that mouth? Exactly. Hey, fuck so, you, and, Zach. And then, yeah, well, we, there was a lot of fuck yous back and forth. Clearly. And, uh, it was, Jesus. Dustin, Dustin is like, there's an onion layer here that I just want to keep peeling away. I'm like, trust me, I do it on $2 Lafey and I do it on podcasting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, and everybody enjoys it's a it. big stinky onion. <laughs> And everybody benefits from it. And they benefit oh so much. And and he's like, what the hell's eating you? And she's like, I don't know. I'm so scared. I think I'm going crazy. He's like, it's all right. It's all right, babe. She's like, no, 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 it's not. Dot, dot, dot. I'm pregnant. And you see the look on Jim's face. <laughs> that man does not want a kid. <laughs> that face has been 
made by countless dudes <laughs> yeah. all over the world the, the, since the dawn of the time. The look of, well, my life is over. <laughs> I think for early caveman. <laughs> 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 yeah dude jim does a great fml face on this one he does and he's like of course he says are you sure have you seen a doctor she's like i have an appointment monday i'll know the test but i already know i've had morning sickness all week he's like we well no wonder you're a nervous wreck you're not going crazy you're just becoming a mother <laughs> granted it's almost the same yeah, thing i wrote all of that down dude i was like Clearly written by a dude. <laughs> dude, totally, totally. She's like, you're not upset about it? He's like, no, of course not. And again, <laughs> number two, I love you. I know. <laughs> again. And then I didn't pick up on it the first time, but she says like sort of lightly to him. She goes, I know you love me even if you don't know it. And that's and he's just yes. and he's just sitting there staring off into space. If you guys are a fan of arrested development, it's whenever Job sits there and they play like the Hello Darkness, my old friend. Like if they could like do a slow <laughs> zoom in onto Jim's face here and play Hello Darkness, my old friend, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So good. So good. Okay, so this is an interesting shift because from here we go into a dream, right? It's uh, Linda coming up the stairs <laughs> once again to her waxwork yep. house. And it, it's definitely dreamlike. It's like the soft filter on Fog. the lens. Fog. She comes upstairs and she enters a room and there's a coffin in there. She walks over to the coffin and the Ouija board is on the top of the coffin. And she goes over to the Ouija board and hands come out of nowhere and start ch choking her. Very effective. Uh, made me jump, jump scare and I thought it was a just a great little scene. Loved it. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. Um, again, like, which is so effective with this scene is that it's just, it's, it's very subtle, and uh, it works. Yep. It works. Dude, by the way, I mean, I feel like that's the phrase for this entire, everything works about this film. That's what's awesome about it. Yeah, totally. Totally. So, right after that, uh, Linda is uh, talking to David and she's like, I'm giving the board back to Brandon. No. She's like, I made up my mind. There's nothing you can do about it. No. And then she goes to the kitchen and she walks in the kitchen and a knife, a knife drops like a big old, like meat cutting knife drops on the floor and then like into, into the floor and then a bottle of ketchup falls over and the, and the ketchup falls onto the knife to make it look like blood. And then Linda tries to leave, but she's locked in the house and she screams. Yeah. And honestly, dude, the effect of the knife flying off the fridge. So Tawny Katane, the actor, walks past the fridge. So there's no wire there. You know, I, I don't know how they did it because when the knife shoots off, it, I mean, it doesn't just, like, drop straight down. It flies to the right, you know. It. it yeah. I don't know how they did it, to be completely truthful with you, because she walks right past it, so there's no cord, like, pulling it or anything. Uh, a very, very effective, simple but effective special effect. Um, this movie has, act, has remarkably good special effects in it for being low budget and, you know, not having a ton of deaths or anything in it. But it has a has really good special effects. It does, and, and the tone is so uh, menacing, which is which is what makes it 
paced the way it does effectively yeah. because you're you're the whole time you're like you're right there with with the tension mm-hmm. like something's brewing it's only getting worse and you're like wait you know she's she's and i think i think maybe not intentional maybe it was all budgetary reasons but having her kind of stuck in the house all the time uh adds to like a claustrophobic feeling which in a good way in a good way yeah no i know what you mean it kind of gives you the like she's Kinda going cool. insane or something like th- there's something there and yeah i'm with you there there's some there's some added benefit of having her always at the house because it, you feel like she's always could possibly be in the clutches of of the evil entity uh or whatever yeah yeah i'm with you man that there's something eerie about that yeah yeah it's 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 really good and and kind of what happens next uh you know accelerates everything too because now we cut to the construction site and Jim wearing a sweet Puma T-shirt. I wrote well, down. He's got a sweet. Real quick, we didn't mention it the first time at the construction site, but now let's mention it now. No one's wearing a hard hat. Oh no, no, they're too cool for that. It's, it's just a bunch of dudes in 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 1986 cut off jeans, no shirts. Yeah. I mean, and by cut off jeans, I mean barely past your tidy whiteies. It was a different time, guys. <laughs> I don't think that's ever coming back. It was wild. Wild. It was wild. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Brandon shows up wearing a nice flocked, like, white button-up shirt. Of course. Shirt, looking yeah. all hunky. And he's like, I tried to call you, Jim. And and, uh, and Jim's like, you came all the way out here to tell me that? And he's like, no, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about Linda. And he's like, you want to know if she snores? And he goes, I should have known better. And he goes, hey, come on, geez, you, you used to have a sense of humor. And Brandon's like, can you be serious for one minute? Jim's like, well, I'll give it a shot. But by the way, Jim, your one of your close friends just died a few days ago, man. Like he's way too chipper Dude, for for clearly. that. But I will say, uh, you know, you at this point, like I do like how you're starting to see them both warm up to each other. You know, like yep. it's still going to be pretty you know, strained relationship wise, but now you're starting to see the, the sprinklings in of, of the, them warming up to each other. But by the way, on my first viewing at this point in the film, I was already all in, you know, like at this point I was, I was oh, in. Yeah. yeah it, and this is a good little exchange too, because it, it, everything makes sense again. Yeah. You know, like sometimes like, why do we have the scene? You know, this, this feels like filler. No, this all makes sense. Cause he's like, look, He's like, uh, Linda's been acting strange lately, right? And he goes, what do you, what do you mean? Jim goes, what do you mean strange? And, and Brandon's like, nervous tension, insomnia, nausea, erratic behavior. And he goes, how'd you know? And she goes, has she been swearing a lot? And he's like, like a truck driver. And Brandon goes, oh, oh, no. And he's like, has, I think Linda's been using my Ouija board. <laughs> and Jim's like, no. He's like, I know you think it's a crock of shit, but bear with me for a minute, okay? When someone uses a Ouija alone, like Linda, she's very susceptible to the spirit she contacts. And the wrong spirit will take advantage of this. First, he'll be so extremely helpful and friendly, she'll be lured into using, using the board more and more. Pretty soon, all she'll want to do is use the board. Everything else, like going to class, becomes unimportant. This is called... Progressive Entrapment. Drink, motherfuckers. <laughs> Ope. Once she reaches this stage, the spirit changes. He starts to frighten and terrorize her, breaking down her resistance. And once that's done, the spirit is able to possess her. 
And Jim's like, so what are you telling me? She's in the living room with Linda Blair. Oh! This right here is the whole crutch of the movie uh, per the making of the 45-minute you know, documentary on here. Um, the director said you know, this was what he was most fascinated by, and he said this is something that they totally glossed over in uh, The Exorcist. It's like she, you know, Reagan kind of goes from just using the Ouija board to like being possessed, and he was like, in this whole progressive entrapment thing, this is a real thing. Uh, it's a real yeah. term that they use for these type of things, and he was like, well, actually, that to me is more interesting to watch the person being slowly manipulated and, and, and turned into... She's like, you know, the exorcist basically cut out the one, the whole part of like what would have actually been interesting watching Reagan sort of starting to succumb to us. So that's what he's like. That's where he basically the whole movie's based around this concept. He's like, all right, this is what I'll do with with my movie. Basically, is I'll take this. What we didn't see in the exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only reason why this didn't get obviously as much. uh credit as a movie like the exorcist is because the exorcist is just i mean it's a better movie overall just the way it's shot and just every everything but 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 still this is a nice companion piece to yeah. that for and sure honestly i you mean know, if, you, if you're in i would probably hey, watch this over the exorcist any day to be honest with you well i think the exorcist is still very scary oh, yeah. but oh, and, um, I, and by the way i but, love the exorcist uh, don't don't get me wrong i think exorcist one's fantastic exorcist three is fucking scary as shit um but this movie is a lot of fun and very interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah, th- this exchange is really good. I, I because, love this scene, uh, honestly. Yeah, because Brandon's like, you know, damn it, Jim, I'm serious, <laughs> right? And Jim's like, that's what makes it so funny. I thought you were an atheist. And Brandon's like, I'm not just saying it's a demon, Jim. It's just the spirit of someone evil. Evil when he was alive. Evil now that he's dead. I want to bring a medium by your apartment as soon as possible. To exercise the spirit. And Jim's like, you're not serious, are you? He's like, Jim, how do you think I knew all those things about Linda? They're all symptoms of... <laughs> Progressive <laughs> entrapment. Drink! Motherfucker! And Jim's like, well, they're also symptoms of pregnancy. And if you're pregnant and you're listening to this, do not drink. Dude. Well, you can have a little bit, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, you can have a nip. Uh, a nip. And Brandon's like, What? Jim goes, Linda's pregnant. <laughs> I'm going to be a father. Brandon goes, well, terrific. Jim goes, come on, Brandon. Can't you try to be happy for us? Brandon's like, you, you going to marry her? <laughs> he goes, yeah, of course. He goes, you don't even love her. And Jim goes, you haven't talked to me in over two years, Brandon, so don't stand there and tell me what I feel. Brandon goes, I know you better than you think, Jim. He probably does. I know why you dropped. He probably does, yeah. I know you why you dropped out of school. Does Linda? Because you knew you'd make a lousy doctor. Because you're not capable of giving a shit about anyone but yourself. And when you get tired of Linda, shut up, Brandon. You walk away just like you did with school, just like you did with your parents. Shut up. Just like you did with shut up. And and it's a pretty intense exchange. And it is. It's it's really good because it's good writing because Brandon was right, and and Jim actually confirms yeah, yeah. it at a later scene. Uh, I I like the writing in this movie. He'll set things up that don't get paid off until later. They're not like immediate payoffs, uh, and this is one of those things where 
Brandon was actually completely correct in his assessment of Jim because why wouldn't he be? Yes, he's known this dude since he was like seven years old. Just because they haven't talked for two years doesn't mean he doesn't know him like the back of his hand because he fucking does. And yeah, dude, this is, I was like, again, repeat viewing. You're like, yep, yep, you're fucking right, Brandon. You're, you're on the money there, dude. You're, you're actually a good fucking friend. You're, you're. You thought you're thoughtful. You're thinking of things. You understand things. Um, yeah, and I just was the whole time. I was afraid that Jim was gonna hit fucking Brandon with the the hatchet axe because he was like hitting the wall, like pounding the wall so hard, and Brandon was standing like right behind him. I thought he was gonna hit him by accident or something. Yeah, the, this whole exchange is them in, in on you know in on job like in a one of the rooms that they're working on or whatever at the house and. And yeah, the tension is getting more mounting and you're like, what's he going to do with that hammer? Yeah, that's what I thought, truthfully. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, well, first of all, I totally echo what you're saying. And I think that the character development is fin- it's fantastic in this movie. No, it is. It is fantastic. It really in this is. Movie. It really is. And, and is. I do think yeah. that like different actors could have played it differently and maybe made it stronger, but what's there is already there. It's in the script and this movie, the script puts the characters before anything else. And that's what I think makes this movie hold up so well. Well, and Jim's supposed to be like this apathetic dude, yeah, you know, because he's got alcoholic parents and, you know, probably came from an abusive family. He's almost an anti-hero. Yeah, he is. He, he actually, he is an anti-hero. Yeah. Um, right then, the Jim's last surviving friend, Mike, comes in. <laughs> Hold on. So, and then the best actor in the entire movie, Mike, comes in. <laughs> Dude, by, yeah, he... by the way, this entire exchange, I love everything. So, I'm going to comment on almost everything. But start us off. Tell us what happens. But I'm going to be jumping in. Yeah, I wrote I wrote the whole thing down. I wrote the whole thing down. So, so yeah, Jim is, like, getting super pissed off at Brandon. And he's got his axe hammer, like kind of like he's going to hit him. You're right. And and suddenly, um, you know, outside the door jam to the outside of the house, uh, Mike runs up. He's like, Jim, there, there's a call for you in the foreman's trailer. And then Jim's like glaring at Brandon. He's like, take a message. I'm busy. And he goes, <laughs> and he, well, no, for, but when he, right when he jumps up uh, and says that, yeah. you know, J- Jim yells, what? And then like right at him because he's in the middle yeah. of the fight. But the look on Mike's face was, it was perfect. He was like, excuse me? He did like the whole like, are you, what? <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling at yeah. me, motherfucker type of thing? Like it was a perfect look. And I was like, and that is the exact look that you would give somebody if they yelled at you like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally is. And he's like, it's your landlady. Something about Linda. And he's like, she all right? And Jim's like, I don't know. No, no, not uh, Mike. Mike says, I don't know. Oh, sorry, yeah. Mike's like, I and, don't and know. again, another hyper-realistic like, line and perform. Like, yes, that is what he would say. I don't know. And he delivers it exactly like you would deliver it. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not your fucking secretary, you fucking fucking piece of shit. (laughs) Like, yeah, dude. The guy playing fucking Mike, man, he is like low-key the best actor in the entire fucking movie, dude. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> so Jim goes to the phone. He picks up the phone. Hello. And it's, it's Mrs. Moses, our first appearance of this 90-year-old actor, 90-year career in Hollywood who started her career out in the talkies with Jimmy goes on a ride down to Durango Boulevard. And she did a little walkie-talkie on the rinky-dinky and everything was... Happy go lucky. She's had an amazing career. You could tell she's a smoker because she talks like this. Yeah, gymnasist Mrs. Moses. <laughs> He's like, is Linda all right? He's like, oh, she's fine now, but something scared her awful bad. <laughs> so Jim's like, can I talk to her? Is she there? And and then she puts Linda on, and and uh, she's like, Jim. So so they're in Mrs. Moses's like room i yes. guess i guess yeah. on this kind of weird chair and like linda like a couch chair and linda's like you know kind of curled up on it all terrified and she's like go oh god jim it's david and jim's like david shit <laughs> and she's like he used to be no so nice oh jim i'm so scared he's like all right babe i'm on my way i'll i'll, I'll take care of it it's all good and then hangs up the phone and just looks over at brandon and he's like Bring your medium by tonight. <laughs> and I just like my fucking girlfriend's batshit. I candy. wish Brandon just like turned to the side and in kind of like how in Seinfeld Jerry says Newman. I wish Brandon turned to the side and said progressive entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> or or looked off camera and be like, I told the yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, you know. But so but here, we're about to get a great fucking scene. Yeah, so so you know, uh, Lloyd's died. There's this brooding like level of tension going on, fear in, in enveloping everybody, and everything. The mood gets broken by this trippy looking chick with a the stars you give little kids on their report cards uh, stuck on her face, little star sticker on her face, punk rock, pink hair, cool shades. Uh, fucking making more noise with her jacket than I think the director intended because it's like so distracting yeah. when her the buckles yeah. are in, in 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 tassels on her fucking jacket like clang it's, it's clang so dangly. Like, it's supposed to be a quiet scene <laughs> yeah. and it's so dangly. Yeah, the sound guy on this one was probably like having a field day. Fuck! <laughs> Why can't we have digital? Damn it! I gotta go in and fix all I this mean, shit. I mean, dude, she. You know what's funny? Like. Dude, I I would I could totally see somebody in LA in 2021 dressing exactly like her, but I mean, 1986, she looks right out of the punk scene. You know, she's it's like her hair shaved yeah. on the sides and then multicolored on the top. I mean, it's so funny how contemporary she looks now. Uh, but yet it's it's wild and it's fantastic and it's wonderful and and she's great too. She's great. And and so off you know, Brandon introduces her. He says, Jim, this is Zarabeth, the best medium in Northern California. Or Southern California. Yeah, so yeah, sort of Southern and, California. And uh and 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 Jim's like, hi, you know, thanks for coming. And Zarabeth's like, no prob. Hey, you got a nice place here, but you got yourself one gnarly spirit. I can feel it. See the hay standing up on my arm? And I'm like, are you from New York? Or what's this weird accent she's got going on? She always has, like, that that actress. weird kind of. She always has has an interesting way of talking. And I know she's from L.A. I think she went to, like, Hollywood and everything. Uh, She's from Santa Barbara. yeah, Yeah, but she has this very unique voice to her. 
She does. It, and super quirky, unique actor. That's so good, so good. And Jim's like, this is your expert? Where'd you find her? The circus? And Brandon's like, oh, she's okay. She's a bit strange. And so at, now, like, the room of their house, which it looks like it's the living room, they kind of cleared it out, but there's all these twinkly lights around, and then a wall of beer cans a, on the a wall. A wall of beer cans that Zarabeth requested him to sort of requested. play like p- place that way and yeah very interesting i mean it, it pays off there's a reason for it but i'd yeah it's yeah how, how would she possibly know to, that that would happen you know what i mean but okay I, I don't know it's it's interesting it's fine it's weird but it's fine it's weird but you're like that's that's what she requested. I mean, she might have maybe she requested something jangling, and Jim's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna get drunk and just put a bunch of beer cans in here." That'll be and fine. it's like fifty beer cans. Like he couldn't have. It's a lot. He of couldn't beer. have like drank all that. You'd you'd be dead. So he had to collect those somehow. And and knowing dudes I used to work with at auto body shops, they they're like, ah, "I drank three six packs of beer last night." I'm like, "You drank eighteen beers last night." Yeah, they're light beers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's, that's like my dad. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, fuck. Good on you. So, yes. Uh, so, Linda comes out and she, Zarabeth meets Linda. And then Zarabeth's like, bitchin', let's get this show on the road. Yeah. Right. And uh, I love this. So, now they're like getting ready to sit there at the table. They're getting ready to do their seance. And Linda's like looking around. She's like, Oh, Jim, you did all this while I was asleep? And I'm like, is that all you do, Linda? You sleep during... Are you fucking vampire? You sleep during the yeah. day and you're up at night? <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, buddy. I, I started scratching my head at how much uh, Linda was sleeping this entire time, too. And the fact <laughs> yeah, that, like, like, Jim did all this while she was sleeping. With the beer cans. I want to know about that beer can explosion. And, yeah, he's, like, all embarrassed. He's, like, happy. He's, like, yeah, I did it for you, babe. I, I love, love you, babe. babe. And, uh... And, Zarabeth's like, okay, I'm going to make contact now. So whatever happens, stay in your seat. If you stand and talk, the contact will, will be broken. And she goes, oh, bummer. I forgot my crystal ball. And she goes, huh, it's psychic humor. <laughs> Which comes back into play. Yeah, way. yeah. And honestly, that was funny because she says it, it lands, and then Jim kind of looks at Brandon and Brandon, like Brandon, knows, so he kind of like has this weird look on his face, and he kind of smirks because he knows that she's joking because he knows her. But you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, I was like, you know what? That was actually everyone reacted properly to that, and I and I like that. And then she was like, ah, I'm just messing with you, a little bit of psychic humor, guys. She has such oh, a such a weird way of talking, really does. And I think she kind of really leaned into talking weird in this too. Like she really. Lean into her accent, I guess, or Santa Barbara accent. I don't know. I was curious why I can't get a date. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, sorry. So, uh, anyways, yeah. She so she's like Linda's like, should we join hands? She's like, nah. That's just in vampire movies. Anyways, my nails are too grody. Okay, let's let's talk to some ghosts. Okay, now come on. And then she like goes right into. She gets possessed immediately mm-hmm. by said spirit. And Brandon's like, who are you? She's like, please don't hate me. Who are you? David. David, do you know me? Yes, yes, Brandon, uh, I know you. How old are you? Ten, when I passed away. Tell us, why are you terrorizing Linda? I love Linda. Then why are you frightening her? 
She hurt me. She won't talk to me because of him. Who? Jim? He is cruel. You are cruel, David. Linda fears you. I'm sorry. I was I was angry. I, I, I love you. I love you, Linda. And, and, then, and then Brandon goes, Linda no longer wants to speak to you. I'm taking the Ouija home with me. I know. The woman you are speaking through is a psychic. She has the power to exercise you from her apartment. No, I'll go. I never meant any harm. Goodbye. David, why? Goodbye. David, wait. Oh, no, Linda. Linda yells out. She's like, David, wait. And then Brandon's like, Linda, don't. <laughs> and then right after that, Zarebeth, like, snaps out, right? She's, like, she's, like, freezing. And she looks like she's almost, like, kind of suffocating. And then, like, you hear the beer cans clanging and, you know, uh, uh, like the, 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 the lights are moving around and, uh, and, and, and there's like just like chaos in the room. Like she because Linda disturbed the spirit. Yeah. Right. And the candle on the table blow, blows out. And then suddenly, like Zarebeth's back and she's like, Brandon, you, you catch the lights, huh? And Brandon's like, oh, yeah. And then Linda's like, thank you. Because Zarebeth's like, she's gone. Don't worry about it. He's gone. And she's like, too cool. Uh, but I didn't do it. David left on his own. And Jim's like, well, you, you sure you know? You, she sure knows how to make a dramatic exit. And Linda's like, well, maybe maybe I acted too quickly. And Jim's like, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, well, David's not evil. Maybe I should give him another chance. He's like, no way. Brandon's taking this Ouija and taking it now, right? And he grabs the the Ouija from the t- uh, the coffee table and like hands it to Brandon. And Brandon's like, you know, we did the right thing, Linda. Believe me. And Zarebeth's like, yeah, that was one mondo ghost. Good thing the exorcism didn't happen. It would have been mega tough. Uh oh, I see a vision. And Brandon's like, what is it? She's like, me. In your car. Going home. <laughs> Just some more of that psychic humor. <laughs> Come on, Brandon. Let's hit the musty dusty. And she gets up to leave and goes to the door. And she turns and she goes, TTFN. <laughs> TTFN. And walks out. And then Jim goes, TTFN to Brandon. And Brandon's like, ta-ta for now. <laughs> Thanks for letting me bring her, Jim. He's like, don't mention it. Like, wait, you have to explain to him what TTFN means? Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. But I do like how, how Jim goes, don't mention it, as as Brandon's walking out, and he goes, to anyone. And Brandon kind of looks back and kind of does a little smirk. It, I, this is when they're, they're, they're starting to, like, get closer, get back together, friendship yes. and everything. I, I like these little tiny exchanges that kind of build up, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I love that because they're he's like, look, you know, you can tell there's a mutual admiration there because they're helping each other out. Yeah. You know, obviously they both care about Linda. Yeah. I mean, and... like, dude, they've been friends their entire life. They've only not been friends for two years. Like, you can't erase yeah. that. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. You start to see a little bit of cracks in the in the tension mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. Um cuts to Brandon giving Zarebeth a ride home. And you Brandon know what's funny? Like, as much as, like, Brandon's kind of like this douchey guy, him and Zarebeth yeah. are, are fun together. I wish we actually, like, got more of them. If anything, maybe a prequel to this and see them, like, on some kind of, like, adventures. Because 
they're they're an interesting like combination of so weird she's so weird and he's so like stuck up but they clearly have like a friendship and that works it really works well it would have to be a prequel if you know what i'm um, saying yes. <laughs> but yeah no i totally agree it, it, it's brandon has like douchiest qual- douchey-esque qualities but those douchey qualities kind of get lifted after he visits the construction yeah, site. Yeah. You know. So and I'll and I will officially drop the douchey tune because he's no longer kind of douchey. He's kinda of cool. Yeah, he's... At this point now he's like actually kind of a badass because he knows so much shit about demons and spirits and how to exercise them and all that good yeah, stuff. Right? No, he's he's uh, yeah. yeah, and this is I don't know when it is. And you know, actually no, I take it back. It was around the time of Zarabeth that I think we got a better uh, you know, a better picture of Brandon. Like you, we saw Brandon outside of like interacting just with, with Jim. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Brandon doesn't, he doesn't seem like a complete dick, you know? And maybe it's just him and Jim that are just like always going back and forth. See, I, I do think that Zarabeth was around the time that I started warming up to, to Brandon. I was like, yeah, maybe he's not a complete asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause, cause his, his story arc is like, He's starting to hit a, a better stride mm-hmm. now, a little more like proactive and and, and and not so like not so yeah less douche and more yeah. hunk. He's a, he's turned into a hunky boy. A hunky boy, <laughs> or is he? <laughs> um, yeah. So so Brandon's like you did you did a good job tonight. Thank you. And Zarabeth's like, have you heard of a word called malfader? And Brandon's like, hey, it's Portuguese. It means someone evil. Why? And she's like, well, was was David Portuguese? And he's like, no, I don't think so. She goes, well, and she goes, and he was only 10, right? And he, gets, and he says, yeah. She goes, well, that must have been taken mega. Then he must have taken mega vitamins because he was a real toughie. And Brandon's like, something's bothering you, like more to it. What is it? And she's like, I, I see danger ahead. And he goes, for, for Linda? And she goes, no, for you. If you miss my house, <laughs> yeah, her laugh is coming up on yeah, the right. Her laugh is like that. She that's how she laughs. <laughs> it's really weird. Yes. Again, I wonder why I can't. Why no guys want to date me? <laughs> Anyways, and Brandon's like, yeah, more psychic humor. Yeah, yeah. All kidding aside, though, something's something's hinky. Like hink. Yeah, she says hinky. Yeah. Which is funny. I'm like, hey, what the, what's hinky? And, she, and he goes, like what? She's like, I'm not sure, but stay by the phone and I'll call you later after I do the Nancy Drew bit. TTFN. And I love that because, yeah, she's going to do a little investigation yeah, yeah. and then she's going to call And as she walks into her house, she's, she walks by this like sundial thing in the sundial. yard. That's a, yep. If you don't know what a sundial is, there's a giant pointy triangle in the middle so that the sun can kind of create a, a, a shadow but essentially all you need to know is that it's a giant spike in the middle of her her uh, front yard and as fantastic as this director is this is the most like foreshadowed shot i've ever seen because like the camera's literally right up on it as she walks past it my wife looked at me she goes she's gonna land on that i was like yep yep she is <laughs> like we both knew yeah, immediately which... and it's like i i felt like yeah He's a first-time director, and he's great as a first-time director, but I kind of think that could have been a little bit more subtly done right there. Well, I think when I was younger, um, I was probably with my brother and maybe some of his friends, everybody would be like, oh, it's such a bad foreshadow, mm-hmm. you know? 
And it is. If you look at it from that perspective of like, oh, this is a smart movie making smart choices, the the foreshadows are like so blatantly obvious. But if you look at it from the nostalgia fun side of just it's like a cheesy horror film, it's really entertaining. You're like, oh, she's going to mm-hmm. die. So she's going to die. She's going to die in the sundial. How's huh? she going to die? We'll find out in about uh, less than five yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so because from there, yeah, you cut to they also right after the sundial, they show this really creepy mask on her wall. Yeah. Too, yeah. She has she, a very interesting uh, decorations in her house. Yeah. Yeah. On one hand, she's got like kind of artifacts and then she's got like teen beat tiger beat pictures yeah. plastered on her walls, which are really creepy. And it was and weird. a big house. Anyway, she owned the whole thing. Yeah, or if it's her parents' yeah, place, maybe. who knows? Yeah. Um, so, so she is looking through these books, and she sees an, a really creepy looking dude. Who's the guy on the front cover of the poster, the DVD, the VHS box? Like, it's obvious. You're like, oh, that's the villain. Who is that guy? We'll find out soon. And the funny thing is, uh, the director met him at a party. That guy's a, a just a photographer. He's not even really an actor. And uh, oh, really? and he's he's in the 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 documentary very very briefly uh, because he's really only in one scene where he, where he cuts off Tiny's head in a dream. Um, but he just talks about like I was really scared about hitting the uh, the the actress that was playing the you know the hands when I swung the axe and everything. He seemed oh, very he, was, he seemed very sweet, and that was that's what was funny. He just seemed like he was kind of a sweet guy that that's yeah because he's creepy that his, his that scene that that comes up towards the end of the movie uh it gave me night terrors it i'm not joking like i would scream in the middle of the night waking up it scared me that much he's so menacing looking it's great because they put like these weird white contacts or silver contacts in his yeah. eyes or something very and, and yeah so well, his eyes almost look like white yeah and we'll, and we'll talk about when we get there but yeah it's it's very effective and it's very well done yeah. So um, at this point now, suddenly, like, there's a spirit in her house. It's entering like a POV yeah. shot of kind of following her around her house. And she picks up on it and she starts running away from the spirit, going through rooms in her house. She goes into her, like, what uh, appears to be like her bedroom. She closes the door, uh, tries to lock it, but the door, you know, rips open. And she is. Uh, it's like the the spirit is like getting closer to her and she's screaming. She goes right towards the window and it knocks her out the window and she falls onto the sundial, which is fantastic. Absolutely great. I didn't pick up on it the first time, but she actually gets her throat slashed by the hatchet first. So you see this, the hatchet fly in the air. You see blood splatter and then her sort of go out the window. And when she lands on the sundial face down, she looks up and you can see that her neck is slashed and then she dies on the sundial. But this death was freaking awesome. It was really good. I think she, she sold it. Um, it was like, even though you knew it was coming, it still, you know, was play. Uh, it was still paid off very well, you know? And, and yeah. And there's only like, like we, like we said, there's only a few deaths in this movie. I think all of them are great. And this, but this one's probably my favorite one of all. Yeah. Th- these are like, um, I'm sure the omen was a big influence yeah. on him too, because that had a lot of foreshadowing and in, in, in it as well. And similar kind of deaths. I think of like the priest where he gets impaled on the, um, great, the spikes. Yeah. 
Stuff or like or that. when what's his nuts gets his head cut off with the the the, the David Warner. yeah the glass or whatever man that was dude yeah. the Omen had some fantastic deaths oh it really did well yeah and and the priest was pay, played by um oh gosh he was the second Doctor in Doctor Who oh, which is okay. awesome so which which is um which is great Sylvester McCoy maybe anyways uh no nah, no that's not who it is um but no yeah I love the Omen's got some great deaths and. This has definitely has shades of that as well, right? With possession and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, this is but in its own right, this was a lot of fun. This death right here was a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays, and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. Cut to, like, a news anchor the next day, you know, saying, you know, talking about uh, worst, uh, an accident, uh, worst accident in the county's history. And then he says, you know, uh, there's another sort of accident that claimed the life of a Fairfield woman late last night when she fell to her death from a second floor window. The victim, Sarah Crawford, that's cool, they, like, reveal, it's not Zareth, Claimed to be a psychic and worked as a professional medium under the name of Zarabeth. And suddenly you realize Brandon is like watching the news and he sees what happened and he bolts from his apartment because he knows that he knows what's going Mm on. Um, From there, you see uh, Jim. Here's the intercom at his at his place buzzing. And he comes up to the intercom in his in his apartment, and he's like, "Who is it?" And he's like, um, and, "And it's Brandon." Brandon's like, "We have to talk." And he's like, "All right, I'll come down to you. Just be in the lobby." And uh, and then Jim goes down to him, and Brandon's like, "Where's Linda?" And Jim's like, "Still asleep." And I'm like, "Of course, <laughs> she's fucking sleeping again." 
at like two in the afternoon. Because he even looked like Jim was sleeping too. Like he's like, you know, getting up. And I I wrote down my note is all Jim and Linda do is sleep. All they do is sleep and then have parties with people they hate. (laughs) Yeah. And talk about progressive entrapment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or should I say, get progressively entrapped. You've heard of Geico. (laughs) You've heard of progressive. Now the new insurance, progressive entrapment. Get the best one where you can find it. Um, yeah, Brandon's like, Zarebeth's dead. And, and Jim's like, how? And he's like, something or someone or something pushed her out a window. And uh, Jim's, you know, Jim, like, takes this all seriously now. He's in it. He's in it now. Yeah, he's, and, he, he's, uh, he's definitely starting to, yeah, listen to what Brandon is saying. And, and Brandon still thinks it's David. And he's like, I think David killed Zarebeth to keep her from telling telling us whatever she found out and jim's like the spirit killed her he goes yeah and i think he cut your phone line too so i couldn't warn linda about the ouija and he probably killed lloyd lloyd (laughs) (laughs) and i think (laughs) i think he's after you and brandon's like are you listening to yourself dude you're you're telling me that a 10 year old ghost is flying around killing people and brandon's like i know it sounds crazy but i'm sure that's what it is and he's like well assuming you're right uh, why would he wait till now? And, and Brandon's like, well, he's never been alone. I've always had, when I've used the Ouija board, I've had people with me, but obviously Linda's doing it by herself. And Brandon's like, or Jim's like, well, okay, but you took the Ouija board home, right? And Brandon's like, I checked the box this morning. No Ouija. Dun, 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 because the Ouija board was in a box with the planchette. Yeah, and it was in the last scene when, when Brandon saw the news and everything. He opened the box, and it was like, it wasn't in there. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, no. yeah. And Jim's like, that's impossible. I boxed it myself. And he's like, Linda must have removed it when she when you weren't looking. She's obsessed with it. That means she's already fallen into... Progressive entrapment. Drink, bitches! <laughs> And Jim's like, fine, well, I'm gonna, I'm just going to get rid of it. And Brandon's like, it's too late for that. Linda's so open now. I don't think David needs it anymore. She's open. Yeah. She's so mm-hmm. open. Spread wide. Um, but <laughs> Sleazy Z. <laughs> but he's like, I thought that's where he got his power from. And Brandon's like, no, it's just a portal. See, most spirits are trapped in their own world and can't enter ours without some kind of help, like a medium or a Ouija. I mean, Ouija. Drink. Take a drink. <laughs> and Jim's like, or someone who's been opened by... A progressive entrapment. Drink. Drink. And then Brandon's like, yeah. <laughs> so Jim goes, so what you're saying is Linda's become a portal for David? And Brandon's like, eventually he'll possess her unless he, unless we can stop him. That's why I'm going to Big Bear. <laughs> it's like, that's why I'm going to Big Bear. And Jim's like, what, what's in Big Bear? <laughs> like, like, what the how fuck? did you jump to that conclusion? <laughs> that was a weird segue. Because meanwhile, they're like in the lobby of the house, yeah. like the upstairs it's, lobby. It's, yeah, which, it's technically the upstairs lobby is what they said. Yeah, it's, again, it's a, it's a mansion house that's been converted into an apartment complex very weird. And this is very 80s yeah. looking, like this part of it. So they clearly shot this somewhere else because it's not, it can't be the same oh, house. Oh, I know. I think it is. it is. I, I think it's all think the it same is? house. It's really weirdly like designed. It's a weird, yeah. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So he's like, uh, what's up in Big Bear? And, and Brandon goes, well, that's where David claims, claims he died. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check out a story. 
We can't fight him if we don't know exactly who he is. For all I know, he's been lying to me since the first time I contacted him. Little shit. He doesn't say that. (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. And then uh, and Jim's like, you really going to go up there? And Brandon's like, I have to. I feel responsible. And Jim goes, when are you leaving? And Brandon says, well, as soon as I can pack. Keep an eye out for Linda. And Brandon's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not sure I buy any of this, but good luck yeah and they shake hands it's like again it's all keeps building back into their friendship yeah yeah and it's cool so this you know brandon leaves and uh because it is a cool moment because brandon like kind of looks surprised when he extends his hand to him and and it's nice it's like okay we're getting to a cool place with these guys and usually when you see his characters changing his tune something bad's gonna happen to him of course redemption yes Anyways, uh, cut to outside of the apartment and or the mansion. There's an unmarked police car, and it's Dewurst in his car, eating eating lemons. lemons like a fucking maniac. He's like gorging these things, and he has like fucking four of them on his dash. He's eating lemons uh. like he's eating a fucking orange. Who does yeah. that? A fucking maniac does that. A sociopath maniac. does that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, he's, he's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's why we love him. That's why he's great, because yeah. he does, because he makes, the actor makes these little choices that are just fantastic. I love it. Have some lemons. He's, I mean, he's going to be eating lemons. Why? I don't know. It doesn't matter, because it's much more interesting than him just smoking a cigarette and sitting there, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a nice character choice. Again, another nice character choice, and I guarantee you that was all the actor. Yeah, probably. Like, let's let's try yeah, this. Yeah, why out. not? I love it. Cut to Linda, and she's on her with the fucking uh, Ouija board trying to talk to David. No. Like, oh my Get god! Get off that thing, what girl! Go! No! Yeah. God, you were addicted to this planchette. <laughs> and she's like, "Have you come back, David? Are you here?" And the planchette's not moving. And finally. Suddenly the planchette starts moving and it moves to yes. Linda stumps like she's like stumbles back, she's terrified. She's like, oh just then that uh you hear her scream and the door is uh slammed shut. Uh so Jim goes to 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 like see what's going on and the door slams shut. And Linda's like or Jim's yelling at her, he's like, Linda, open up the door, open up the door. And meanwhile, Linda's screaming, Help, help, right? And Jim kicks the door open and after he does you see like linda like slam against yeah tawny katane is doing some she's doing some acting she's doing some straight up acting because she's getting thrown around by the invisible ghost which is just you know tawny katane acting and yeah she's she's at a 10 right here and yeah when jim comes in she's already sort of like knocked out from the experience but i was like you know what tawny go you she was full into this scene she went all in i was like good for you girl good for you Right. Yeah. So everybody hears this, basically. And that's um, what I wrote down the uh, note. How many people live in this apartment complex? Because because yeah, like because it's totally like, like a three's company moment when like uh, Rosemary and then like five other people's heads like pop in. And I'm like, how many like uh, like actual apartments are in this house? Like too many. I think. <laughs> and so, yeah, so Mrs. Moses is there with uh, the Rosemary baby crew of all the people that live in the building. And they're like, what's going on? You know? And, uh, and, and Jim's like, you know, call an ambulance. And she's like, what happened? And he's like, Linda's hurt. She's unconscious. And, uh, 
and then Mrs. Moses is like, oh my. Oh my. She's got her 90 year old career going on there. So uh, from there, uh, Jim takes the Ouija and just throws it in the fucking trash. He he flings it. Dude, he's on the second floor. He throws it yeah. out of the second floor and it lands into the, the trash can. Not like a bin, but like a trash can. And when that happened, I, my wife was sitting right next to me. I yelled, Kobe! <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's like, wee, in the trash. I was like, come on. That, that was ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> it went right oh, in. So went right, I mean, that motherfucker should have been on the basketball team, dude. Or actually should play <laughs> frisbee golf. He would probably be better at frisbee golf. Frisbee golf. <laughs> Hold in one. So uh, from there, you cut to a hospital waiting room where... Where in 1986 you can smoke cigarettes. Apparently, yeah. Jim Jim's there smoking a cig. And, um, and the the... Lieutenant Duras comes in. The detective D- Duras comes in, and he's juggling lemons. Yeah, yeah dude. Because you know, why not? This is my fucking favorite character in the whole fucking movie, man. And Jim's like, "What do you want from me?" And he goes, uh, "He's like, how well do you know Sarah Crawford?" What's funny about this scene is that he goes back to like the whole. He's kind of interrogating Jim a little yeah. bit, but he's also doing like the good cop thing with like the joking about the or not joking, but he's like doing a whole metaphor with juggling. You can tell he's leading to something because every time he says something, he's like, I don't have the dexterity to do this. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, it seems like he's like, always trying to be something not a cop. Like he, he yes. never wanted to be a cop. But yeah, it is one of those things where. Ultimately, he's trying to do the Columbo thing where he's talking about the case, but you think he's yeah. talking about Let's magic. Well, wait, hold on one second, you know, when he's about to walk out the door. But yeah. the and as much as I love this character, I don't think it's like it's the strongest writing in the movie. You know, I think he was I think Tenny was trying to be a little bit more like smarter i just don't think his writing was there for for this character but the character's great though and and spot on uh connection with columbo too because it's totally like a columbo yeah like you're you're supposed to think he's he's goofy but he's actually smart totally totally yeah i I stepped on your columbo impression twice can you do it can you do it for us for real well see what's going on here you know what we see here is uh is two lemons with a uh, with a lemon tree, but uh, what we really need is uh, Randy Cosby. <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs> you thought you got rid of me, but I'm back. <laughs> and then, um, and then okay, Columbus so, always goes, oh, and just one more thing. Oh, and just one more thing. <laughs> How did you put the roofie in the drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you see here? I wrote a song about it. Okay, so, like, here, here uh, goes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so he, yeah, he, he says, you know, what's your connection with Sarah Crawford? And, and he's talking to her, talking to Jim about it. And he goes, well, you know, thing is a closer look at her body revealed a, a slit throat before she went through the glass, the, before she went through the glass and into the, uh, into the sundial. And Jim's like, well, with a, with a hatchet. And he's like, well, maybe he goes, whoever it was, the slit matches the ropes that were cut at the construction site. Have you found your missing hammer yet? <laughs> And Jim's like, I guess it vanished. And then so Dewar starts telling him a story about an elephant uh, that 
they, they didn't make it disappear. They just hid it. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You see here, there's an elephant. And, uh, and they, uh, they, 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 they made it seem like it disappeared, but I didn't. They just hid it. So uh, I don't know. And yeah, they, yeah. I think, like, on paper, this could have been hit or miss. But because the actor is so charming as Lieutenant yes. Dewhurst, that's the only reason it works. And I think, honestly, like, as we're talking about it, maybe a lot of credit has to go to the casting director of this film because it's it, the script is the script is solid. There's some stuff there, but there's clearly some 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 parts that aren't great. And it's interesting how, like, they really filled the cast out with people strong enough to handle some of the weaker parts and then you know people who can handle the weaker the stronger parts have a little bit more fun with it it's it's interesting it's a good balance but i it's it's what makes it an interesting film is the cast yeah no i totally agree it, it's the cast it's the acting the delivery of the lines um and then like little plot twists like we're about to get here because the doctor walks in to the waiting room uh dr jill or whatever her name is and uh, and she and and goes up to Jim and says, you know, your your diagnosis of Linda was right on the money. She did have a concussion that must have been quite a fall. And he's like, um, he's like, yeah. He goes, how's how's the baby? And she goes, well, Linda missed her appointment yesterday, so I didn't get the chance to tell her. But she's not pregnant. And he's like, yep. Yeah, but what? She's been having morning sickness. And she's like, well, nevertheless. And he goes, well, can I see her? And she goes, yeah, but she's still unconscious, right? And you say there's, like, yeah, plot twist. Like, that's what makes this movie so interesting. There's always something happening, and y- your expectations always get subverted. Yeah, exactly. I was that, that, That's a cool moment where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. What's going on here? And it kind of adds to what you were saying earlier, the freakiness about the fact that it's almost like a Rosemary's Baby scenario because she's like trapped in this house and going insane slightly or you think she is or whatever. Yeah, I I think I, I like what you're saying and I like that you point out that, that we only ever really see her in the house because the house is what's m- sort of making her insane, you know? I think, yeah, totally. It totally is. Exactly. We're going to find that out yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so he's he Jim is in the uh, hospital room with Linda and he's holding her hand and he gets like you know he's getting choked up his eyes are kind of tearing up and then he gets like really intense uh and then he cuts to Brandon getting ready to leave out the door he opens up the door to his place and Jim's there and they're looking at each other startles Brandon and Jim goes I'm going with you Cuts to the two of them in the red sports car, uh, Brandon's sweet ride, roaring down the road. Beautiful scenery in the background. Oh, yeah. I mean, so they're heading up to Big Bear, so, it, you know, or heading east to Big Bear, I guess, is from L.A. Uh, it's Yeah, it's beautiful. And Jim's like, okay, what's our first move when we when we get up there? And Brandon's like, Big Bear Public Library. <laughs> He's like, why? He's like, why not? And Jim's like, oh, well, as long as you have a reason. And... Uh, they get to the library and they're using the microfiche. I'm like, yeah, oh, cool. Microfiche. I love that Dude, shit. Dude, I mean, you and I, I mean, we grew up in the same era. We we, we know the same, like, movie dialogue and, and everything. It's like, microfiche, man, you got to see it. It's That's how you do your research back in 86, man. Before the internet, folks, the, you had to, like, 
zoom in on because at one point he's like, oh, they, they find the article they're looking for. And and uh, and and Jim's like, here, hold on. I'll, I'll enlarge it. You got to like turn yep. the crank and you got to yep. zoom in and all these things. <laughs> And uh, and the, the article from the the newspaper it says boy dies in boating accident, and they're both smiling. They're like, "We found it. We found the dead body story." Gasoline explosion aboard a small motorboat claimed the life of a ten year old boy, David Simpson, early yesterday morning. Funeral funeral services would be for David, the only child of John and Betty Simpson, will be held this Saturday at the Green Meadow Cemetery. And then Brandon's like, well, now we know David's been telling the truth, but we still don't know why he's terrorizing Linda. And Jim's like, well, how do we find out? And Brandon's like, we ask his parents. So they they, they don't find, uh, they cut to Brandon like looking at a phone book and, 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 and they don't find anything there. And there's no listing for John or Betty Simpson, the names of his parents. Uh, and then Jim's like, well, the article said that David was buried at Green Meadows. And Brandon's like, so? He's like, so maybe the caretaker has some an, ad- an address or something. So they go to the cemetery. And I, I, I love how he fucking slams the phone down and it like doesn't even stay on the, the hook. I'm like, no, come on, Brandon, come on. Because <laughs> he's Brandon. Okay, so yeah, now we cut to the cemetery. And uh, and, and Brandon's like, well, and because the, the gate's closed. And Jim's like, nobody's home. And Brandon's like, well, we'll just have to come back tomorrow. And Jim's like, as long as we're here, I want to take a look at David's grave. And Brandon's like, why? Jim's like, why not? So Jim goes to hop the fence to the cemetery, <laughs> just like uh, uh, Mike in Phantasm 2. And like, oh, fuck yeah, I love uh, jump breaking the cemeteries at I've, night. There right? was a cemetery. It's in Santa Monica. By you, it's on... Uh, not Broadway. Well, shit. It's it. It's near me. Remember when I used to drive to you? Uh, yeah, Pico and um, like Fort yeah, Smith or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. One year on Halloween, uh, Jeff and I got super fucking baked and uh, uh, just walked down there and pretty much hopped the uh, fence and walked into the cemetery and just smoked weed in there, man. It was, was oh, kind of nice. cool. Nah, illegal, yeah. but, you know, also kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're all yeah, dead. What do they care? So they're, they're all, they're sure all they dead. They had fun listening to smoke weed, you know? I'm sure they if did. I was a dead person. That's what I'd want. <laughs> they heard a bump the in the night. God, fuck. So they, I uh, song. so Brent, Brandon's like, Jim, don't, don't, don't. And this is where Brandon says, I've got a bad feeling about this. And that's why, and yeah. so I was like, the whole I, I love you, I know thing. And then I've got a bad feeling. I was yeah. like, I know Kevin Tenney's a fucking Star Wars fan. Yeah, totally. Because he says twice. it. He says yep. it twice. I got a bad feeling about this. So uh, it cuts to Brandon going into the graveyard as well. And now he's looking for Jim. He's like, Jim, where are you? Where and, are you? And I gotta say, and tonally in this scene was a bit off because Brandon heard a snap behind him, and he kind of yes. turns around, but he does his best shaggy from scooby-doo where he's kind of trying to make his his jaw rattle a little bit and it's just like it's it's fun i don't and it probably it's what makes this movie so charming but if you just look at it you're like tonally it kind of doesn't fit it's a little bit too goofy it is goofy for me i'm like yeah it's goofy but it's also kind of a tension breaker a little bit because there's so much heaviness and, so, and it's yeah, what it's, makes the movie probably last longer because it's fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, of course, Jim, you know, 
surprises Brandon, scares the shit out of him. And then Jim's like, hey, I want you to meet somebody. And he's like, who? And he goes, David's parents. And he brings uh, Brandon over to David's grave. But next to David's grave is his parents, John and Betty, who are also dead. They died the same day in 1985. Yeah, so it was like the same day, but it was like 30 years later, something like that. And I was like, oh, they're, they're, I feel like there's something there that they didn't get into in the fact that they died on the same day. But it, it was only like a year ago or so. Like, I almost feel like Malfour, the bad guy, almost killed the parents to try to, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there was something here that they didn't, but they don't get into it in the movie. This is all you get. But I feel like there was something there. Yeah, this because this is a disconnect for really what's going on. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit of, and just throw out throw this out. So obviously, Malfort is he's like he's possessing where, the the house that they live in. There's really no connection to right. David in this. Maybe he David was the channel that allowed him to enter with the Ouija. Right. And, yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like I think like, but I, the parents would have been already dead at this point. Yeah, because. Because this is an all. This has only been the matter of like a few days, I would think. Right, but then he's been talking to David for years, and then he, David's parents have died. All right, so what I'm trying to say is David's parents have died since after uh, David made contact with uh, uh, Brandon. So I just feel like I feel like the bad guy killed the parents and because they, they died on the same day. I feel like that's what they were trying to imply. But again, it doesn't go anywhere. There, there's nothing to it, but I feel like there was something there to begin with. Well, I wrote it down because Jim, Jim goes, his parents died less than two weeks ago. Yeah, so it's super soon. It was super soon. So it is. You're right. It is. Pro- it probably happened. This probably all just, ha- this, like, I'm sure timeline-wise, they... Uh, Malfort right and Malfort killed them so that they can't go investigate like specifically for this reason okay yeah yeah because Brandon's like it must have been some sort of accident and must have been some sort of accident (laughs) and Jim's like well what if it wasn't Mm -hmm." back the later that night in the motel I love this scene by the way uh, me too this is a really important scene and it's 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 funny, and then also at the same time, too, I'm like, well, Jim's still a dick. But, um, uh, you know, it's Brandon and Jim, and Brandon's like, I'm going to go get some sleep, and, you know, I want to go out to the dock in the morning to see where David died first thing in the morning. And Jim's like, I don't suppose you have an extra toothbrush in that bag. He's like, no, I'm afraid not. He's like, damn, I hate talking to ghosts with plaque on my <laughs> teeth. <laughs> Just a little psychic humor there. And they start laughing. ha, ha, ha. And then Brandon's like, God, why are we laughing? And Jim's like, it helps us forget how scared we are. He's like, what happened to us? What happened to us, man? We used to be like brothers. And Brandon's like, things change. People change. And then Jim just looks at him and goes, you know, I didn't steal Linda from you, you know. And Brandon's like, I know. But every time I see the two of you together, I go crazy. I go crazy. I start saying stupid things and I can't stop. I tell myself, Brandon, stop being an asshole. But then my mouth pops open and out comes another stupid remark. And Jim's like, you're still in love with her. And and then this is really interesting because Jim goes, I envy you that. Remember what you said about me quitting pre-med? And Brandon's like, yeah, but I didn't mean it. He goes, no, you were right. You know what I'm afraid of more than anything else? 
then I'll never be able to love anyone, and I'll end up spending the rest of my life alone. If I have any real guts, I get out of Linda's life before she wastes any more time on me. And Brandon's like, so tell me, what does she see in you that you didn't see in me? And I'm like, I I appreciate that he said that, but at the same time, I'd be like, then what the, f- hey man, I want to be with her. Like, you know, I'm in love with her, but I love this. Yeah, Brandon's like, so tell me, what does she see you in you that she didn't see in me. And Jim's like, I make her laugh. And Brandon's like, well, so did I. He goes, yeah, but only in the bedroom. Oh. <laughs> and then Brandon's like, you really are an asshole. You know that? And they just kind of laugh. They both yeah. laugh. And that's the end oh, of the scene. Dude, it's such a good scene. Um, it puts all the pieces together. When you have this scene and then you rewatch the beginning scene you're like, oh my God, everything makes so much sense now. And that's what yeah. I, I think I ultimately love about this film. Again, is the fact that it's the movie starts in just such an awkward way, but it's such a jarring way, and you have to piece it all together, and the reward is this. The reward is that they were that they were friends and that they're gonna be friends if nothing else, if something doesn't get in the way, but they have they may have a future together as being friends again. It's it's almost a bromance movie, to be honest with you. It's it's interesting. Yeah. But I love the scene. I thought the, I thought that the writing was honest. Um I thought that it was it was funny. I thought it was genuine, and I thought both actors nailed it. Uh, the warmth of it when they when they sort of looked at each other. It's a it's a great scene. It's a really it's probably, yeah. it's probably my favorite scene in the whole film. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. I mean, it's so Bubber. From there, uh, cut back to the hospital, and Linda Linda is awake uh, from her allegedly she's awake from her uh, sleep, <laughs> and she gets out of bed. She starts walking through the hospital. The hospital's empty. And you're like, oh, clearly this is some sort of dream then, right? And she's walking down a corridor. And then out of nowhere, the psychotic freak, Malfort, is behind her. She turns around and sees him, and he's got a giant axe, picks it up, swings it, and cuts her head off. There's a GIF. You can find the GIF online. It's great. You just type in Tawny Katane, Witchboard GIF. And it, there's some great GIFs for it, by the way. I'm sure I'll be posting them on Instagram. And... And this is a great effect shot. It's just a, a fake head on the back of a. Not, it's not yeah. Tony Katane. It's a, it's a stunt lady kind of bending her head forward. But that's when he was yep. like the guy, the actor who plays the bad guy was like he was swinging a real axe. And you know, so the the act the the stunt lady still had to move her hands around once the the head came off. And I think that I kind of figured that's what freaked you out right as a kid it's, oh, it's the it's fact terrifying. that like once your head i hate that dude i hate it when your head gets cut off and you're still like reaching for it you know i think that's terrifying, terrifying. And, and he's so creepy yeah. looking it is it is a great shot granted he's in like three scenes yeah. of this movie it's that's it. it and you know and, you and, only see his face on the cover of the movie and honestly when i when i was looking i was like why is vincent price's face on the cover of this movie and yeah but it's i mean he, he, it's great it's it's awesome it's a great little scene and i love that you don't really see him that much in this film to be truthful with you no, because it's the spirit, but it's so it's so creepy. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's her scene. She wakes up screaming. Cut to next day. Up in Bear Bear Big Bear, and um, at Wanda's witchcraft 
Wanda's witch shop or Wanda's witchcraft warehouse or something. Um, Brandon's coming out of the store with like a small paper, like a, he's got a, a box under his arm and Jim's in the car waiting. Turns out it's a Ouija board. He's like, we're going to need this. And, uh, and then Jim's like, haven't you had enough of these? And he's like, we needed to contact David. And he's like, God, man, I got a bad. And then Jim says, I got a bad feeling about this. You always say that Frost. Right? You always say I got a bad feeling about this drop. <laughs> Cut to them being at the dock uh, at a lake, which is really kind of dirty and algae filled, like really gross. Uh, I don't know where they filmed this, but it's the dock part area. It's got tons of algae. And seaweed and, and shit. Yeah. Seaweed yeah. and shit. Yeah. Um, so they're on the dock and they're sitting at a table and the Ouija's on the table. And and uh, Jim's like, I thought we had to be on our. I thought that we had to be on our knees, and Brandon's like, not this time. Since this is where David died, contact with his spirit should be good and strong. And Jim's like, well, not too strong, I hope, right? And then Brandon's like, don't worry. If I'm right, uh, you know, Linda's being his portal. She's too far away for him to reach us. And Jim's like, well, what if you're wrong and the Ouija's still his portal? We're going to be opening the door if we use this. And Brandon's like, I'm not wrong. Linda is his portal. David won't be able to hurt us here. We're too far away. Besides, he can't do anything while, he sh- while she's asleep. Well, she's not asleep anymore. And That's a great cut. That's a great cut to the hospital. It's show, a great cut. Showing her checking herself out. That was a pr- perfect cut. Because And he doesn't say asleep. He goes, oh. well, she's, she's sedated, isn't she? And then cut right to the hospital. That's 101 right there. Yeah, and, and her, her doctor is like, I think you should stay. We want to run a few tests. She's like, no, I'm fine. I, I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go home and diddle my diddle my Ouija. Did you see the nurse? Not not the doctor that was talking to her, but the nurse that was in the, like, the reception area. She looked like a porn star. She was like this blonde, buxom lady. And I was like, oh, hey, I think they might have cast a porn star right there. They probably did. Yeah. I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm an Actor. All you gotta do is stand there and smile. Um, Why not? That's all you gotta do. And so, uh, yeah, cut back to Jim and Brandon on the on the boat on the on the on the dock uh, with the planchette and the Ouija board. And and Brandon's like, you know, uh, why are you terrorizing Linda? And he starts spelling out N O. And he's like, No, no, what? And he starts spelling out N O T. And he's like not and then brandon's like david do you mean you're not terrorizing linda and the planchette moves the yes and then jim's like well then who is and the planchette planchette spells out e-v-i-l evil and jim's like what the hell does that mean brandon's like i I don't wait wait a minute david you were at jim's party weren't you yes and you flattened my tires yes did you kill Lloyd at his construction <laughs> site? No, <laughs> I love that. It's from it's from the uh, Lego movie. Yeah, no, I know. I I, I love the Lego it's movie, like, and yes, I know. <laughs> I love it. I love Lloyd. <laughs> I named you Lloyd. L L O Y D. He's like, did you kill Lloyd at the construction site? No, and you didn't kill Zarabeth. No, but you did speak to us through her. No, what? No. And Jim's like, no. Then then who do we talk to? And the planchette spells out E V I L again. Mm. And he's like, 
Jim's like, again with the evil. Brand's like, I think I have it. David, is this evil another spirit? Yes. Is it powerful? Did it force you out of Jim's apartment? Yes. Is this spirit's name Malfader? Yes. That Linda has never actually contacted you all the time she's used my Ouija. No. That was cool. And it, Yes. Right. And so Jim's like, so if Linda couldn't contact him, why was it so easy for us? And Brandon's like, I told you, this is where David lived and died. This has always been the strongest place for any spirit. And Jim's like, all right, well, so who's Malfader? And Brandon's like, that's what we're going to find out. David, who's Malfader? H-E-R, it spells out. Jim's like, well, her? Who's her? And da- and Brandon's like, David, do you mean Linda? No. Then who is her? And the planchette picks up speed and it's moving, right? Really erratically. And Jim's like, what's wrong? And Brandon's like, I don't know. He's agitated. David, what's wrong? And suddenly it moves, erases across the board. And Jim's like, wait, didn't you say they're lousy spellers? And Brandon's like, yeah, I did. David, did you misspell the word? And it, and the planchette moves to yes. And Brandon's like, all right. I like that the planchette goes crazy when when he, because he, he, he's like, he's still a 10 year old kid. And he's like, you're not understanding me. He misspelled, you know, here. And, and so it goes crazy. I like that. I feel like the writer knew what kids would do. Like they were just, they were, he got frantic. He's like, no, you're not understanding me. Yeah. And the only way to kind of convey that is by the making the planchette go everywhere, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's there's something like he, they're not getting what he's trying to tell him because he keeps spelling H-E-R. And then suddenly it just stops. And then Jim's like, what happened? And Brandon's like, we lost him. It happens sometimes, right? And and Jim's like, well, can you get him back? He goes, I don't know. Well, what was he trying to spell? Jim says, I don't know. And then, and then Brandon's like, David, David. And then Jim's like looking at it, H-E-R. He's looking at the board and he keeps saying to himself, but then he realizes the planchette had stopped on another letter, and that other letter was E. And Jim says, here, here, Malfader's here. Yeah. And Brandon's like, no, he can't be. That would mean, and they look up. And as soon as they look up, they're sitting like where they are on the, uh, on the dock. There's these uh, kind of barrels that are like strapped up like water barrels or, or something or, yeah, or gas barrels. Who knows? Buoy but barrels. Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're held together with a rope. The rope snaps. It falls on top of both of them, uh, coming to a crash. Right. And it hits Jim hard. I mean, actually, I mean, both hits, of them get hit hard, but Jim gets knocked out. Whereas Brandon gets knocked into the water, but it's, it's really cool. It's it's well done. You get the sense that those those barrels are heavy. Yeah. So yeah, Jim's knocked out on the dock still. Brandon is in the water, and then Brandon starts to get out of the water. And as soon as he does, out of nowhere, an axe comes and hits him in the fucking head. And I yelled, Brandon, no! <laughs> because yeah, I yelled no. Because also. at this point, I am invested in the character. I'm invested in their relationship. I'm invested in everything. Even on my first viewing, I was like, no, I didn't want that to happen at all. Because I wanted their friendship. I wanted them to be friends again. You know? Yeah, it's such a bummer. It, it, it 
as a, I was bummed out when I was a kid because he was my favorite character. He really is because he's like the cool guy. He's the cool character. But it's it was something that always pissed me off about like Stephen King stories. It's something uh, where uh, in in misery when the sheriff comes to investigate uh, and and he gets blown away yeah. and you're like no yeah. it's the cool character gets killed out of nowhere come on now like really did you have to do that and so uh, just for a fleeting second you think that he might still be yeah, alive unfortunately, but in yeah unfortunately which actually um, makes it even more Jim gruesome gets, when you think about it yeah totally so. Uh, at this point, the Ouija that they were using was float fell into the water and floats away. Uh, Jim finally gets up. He's got blood all over his face and he's looking for Brandon. He walks into the disgusting, dirty water to, to wash his face off. And that's when hands, a hand comes out of the water and grabs him. And it is Brandon, but he's, his face is all carved up from the ax and, uh, Jim's screaming, no, no, God, no, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, and the camera spirals away up and up and up. And and so the only, the only thing I want to say is that there's one shot for, well, first off, the fact that Brandon was kind of still alive when he sort of grasped up to, that sucks. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh my God, that's horrible. But then there's a shot of like, so Jim's facing the camera and Brandon's facing away and Jim, the actor uh, yells, no, right into the car- the actor's ear and you can see his his quote unquote dead body twitch because he the actor is like like wincing at being screamed at right in his fucking ear and my whole thing like right when i saw that i was like oh god that's that's a you poor actor <laughs> you he literally yelled no right in his fucking ear well, you can cover that up too by saying, "Well, he was still sort of lo- alive. He wasn't totally sure, dead yet." So but I twitching. think fucking. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's think hilarious. Nichols is deaf in that ear now. <laughs> what? 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 What did you say? Talk like that? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from from there from there we cut back to Linda, who's uh, dumpster diving. She's grabbing the the Ouija board out of the trash. And she's back up in her room. David, David, are you here with her with her planchette and Ouija? David, where's Jim? Have you done something? Nothing's going. N- nothing from the Ouija is is happening. And she's like, "Answer me, goddammit!" And suddenly, the planchette doesn't move. Linda gets up to her feet, angry, and she walks into the bedroom. And it was a really cool crane shot. Uh, getting like when she walked out of the house to go get the the Ouija board out of the trash. It was, it was one take one shot of, uh, of like the camera was outside. She goes in the house and then goes back upstairs and the camera cranes upwards to the window and she's in the window. So like they had to block that out and everything. And you know what? That's, that's a cool shot. Like they, you can tell they had a crane for a couple shots in this and you know, if you know anything about movies and, and budgets and everything, anytime you see any camera movement in a movie, always know that that is infinitely more expensive than the camera just sitting there. doesn't matter if it's on a dolly or a crane. Obviously, crane's probably more expensive. But anytime there's camera movement, like in the uh, seance with, with uh, Zarabeth, um, the camera kind of goes yeah. around them. They had to put the dolly tracks down. All that kind of stuff always costs more money because it takes more time. And so it's always impressive to see it. And then you, it, it elevates the film to like a little, it gives it a little bit of, a, of an oomph. Oh, yeah, totally. It just adds, makes it look that much better, right? So now we cut back to Jim, 
who's at the uh, Wanda's uh, uh, witchcraft They're warehouse. Wanda's hot, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's he and she, she's talking. Jim's talking to Wanda, and she's like, uh, Carlos Malfader starts describing who this guy is. Fairly notorious mass murderer. Who he he killed nine people, chopped them up with an axe. Now, I swear to God, this this was the movie that gave me so many terrors. Just the idea, the thought of this guy like chopping people up with an axe and, and chopping people up with an axe and looking as notoriously creepy as he does did did uh, just gave me so many nightmares as a kid. So we got to see it in her dream too. Like there, it wasn't just, he wasn't just holding an ax just to hold it. Like, because it looked cool. Again, that's what I love about this movie. The writing, the the script is extremely tight. He's using an ax because that's what he uses. Exactly. Yeah. And Jim, Jim's like, you know, what happened to him? Is he still alive? And Juan is like, no, the police finally caught up with him in around 1930 and shot him down in his own home and she goes oh they're looking through this book right uh the history of it and she goes here it is here's a here's his old home and the old home is their current building that they live in dun 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 aka the waxworks house aka that crappy movie house So, (laughs) so after that you cut back to linda and she's uh getting ready to take a shower or no she's just finished taking a shower sorry and turn the water off she's about to get out of the shower and uh it was her hair her hair was like wet but it wasn't like soaking wet and i was like yeah, okay, yeah. whatever it's neither here nor there but suddenly the water shoots back on and it's like blazing hot burning her uh there's a movie called colobos i've brought it up you before. have you have and, and i've seen that it, i think it came out recently on maybe arrow or somebody but i think it was the uk but every time i see it now i think of you because it, i only i first time i ever heard of it was you talking about it on a previous episode yeah i might i might have to do that one with you you know i have the arrow it, it's an american okay, release okay. too they did an american release which is really cool but um yeah, we might have to do that one because it's got some it's got a shower moment that's very creepy as well. Well, it, it's interesting here like truly dude, I mean, we're literally in the last like 12 minutes of the film. Um I Yeah, movies almost I over. had no idea. I had no idea that we were going to see nudity at this point. Like I thought there was going to be none. I was like, "Oh shit, okay." And apparently uh, Tawny Katane didn't want to really do the scene with the whole crew and everything. Uh, they used a smaller crew. Uh, I think it was just like the DP or something was in there and that was it. Um, but she kind of like has to, you know, bust out of the glass, bust out of the shower because it's on like super heat and everything. But did you notice there were like these weird scratches, um, scratch marks on her chest that go away I, I in the it's... next scene? Like it's only there for this little scene here. And it's not from like her cutting herself from coming out of the the shower glass or anything like that. I think they were supposed to be like scratch marks, but there's no build up to it. You know, it's a, maybe that scene was cut or something. Well, when, when she, when she go, so, so yes, yeah, so she's being burned by the, uh, the, the water. She takes her towel from uh, off the, off the shower and she like wraps her hand around it and breaks the glass, the shower door with her, with the, with the hand in her towel to get out of the shower. Yeah. And full frontal yeah. nudity. I mean, it's pretty yeah. revealing. And, uh, and, and she, I, I remember the streaks. They seem to like come back, uh, when she 
barges she's trying to you know get out and she barges into the door and uh it's like she crashes against the door right yeah. and, and she's kind of panicked and freaking out i think that maybe there's supposed to be like burns marks or something maybe who knows and that's what myra said myra i said to myra I go what are those marks on her chest um she goes i think it's bur- the burns from the shower but truthfully bro watching it the second time and actually looking at it there's like straight lines i think they were either supposed to be scr- like ghost scratches from from the bad guy, or maybe her getting cut from the shower. But they were like, "eh, it doesn't really look like it. You can't really see it, so let's just not even like let's just not worry about it moving forward." But it, it's something. Yeah, they made a choice because it's makeup, so it's something. I just don't know what it was supposed to be, but. And, yeah, they probably. And, yeah. and also, weirdly, like I said earlier, I mean, this is coming out of Sleazy C's mouth. She's naked. She's full frontal nudity. It does not feel exploitative at all. Like it almost feels like no. it's more of like a, a like a mess up, like a slip, like you weren't supposed to see it. But like, and she didn't really want to do it either. But yeah, it never feels exploitative, which is a really yeah. weird line to like actually walk, you know, and a hard one too. No pun intended. Unlike the perils of Gwendolyn that she was in, so, exactly. Know. Yeah, I know. And and in in the perils of Gwendolyn is probably a more of a sleazy sea film, you know. But yeah, this is weirdly exactly. not exploitative, and it and it's actually not even that sexual either. Again, I was I liked it, but I was like, eh, no, I don't. I wouldn't see myself jerking off to it as a kid. I think. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! It's hilarious. <laughs> So, so after that, oh, I, I meant to, I, I skipped over this. This is a really important part. Right before the scene, um, Jim calls the hospital to, to check in on Linda, but the, he finds out she's already checked out. So he storms off, you know, without hanging up the phone. Yes, and another without hanging up the phone. And did you notice when he, you know, stole dead Brandon's car, uh, he's driving, like, away from Big Bear, but it's, like, shot day for night, and then they composite, put stars into the horizon, and I'm like, that is so expensive. Why did you spend your money on that? Like, just shoot it day for night. Don't make it a composite shot also. That is unnecessary money right there. And it doesn't look good exactly. at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. And then and then you cut back to Linda with her shower scene. She she she's on the she's on the ground cowering and she gets up to to get her bathrobe. When she pulls her bathrobe off the couch or off the bed, uh, the the Ouija's there. Yeah, you know, and she and she freaks out clearly. Uh, cut back to now. Uh, oh, and you see Malfort's creepy face at that point. You know when she screams. That was really cool because the camera. It, we we kind of didn't really mention it, but through the course of the whole movie, there's some POV ghost camera stuff going on, even at the dock and everything. And here it's really cool yeah. because the camera goes, POV goes right into her face and she can see it. So she's looking like right at you. And then there's this awesome, it cuts to this awesome shot of the actor Malfoy like coming into focus out of like darkness. And it's so good. It's so good. So creepy. Yeah. So creepy. I love it. Cut back to the next day. It's daytime. So, you know, Linda's probably asleep. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Jim is Jim is at the um, uh, Jim's at the door and, and bangs open the door. And when he gets in the front 
into the living room of their apartment, it's trashed. The whole place is completely trashed. Everything's overturned, just shattered and, and destroyed. They are not getting their deposit back at all. <laughs> no, no, that's for damn sure. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Linda approaches with the axe and she's shrieking like a maniac, right? And uh, Jim, like, dodging her. And, uh, and, and did, did you notice that like, she's, they, she's wearing her, she's wearing like her black funeral outfit, but she's got the the hat on, which is because now she's possessed. So that's like what he would wear. It's it's perfect because she's trying to, to be, look like him, like a guy, you know, because it, she's possessed by him. And I like that. And this is Tawny Katane's best acting in the entire movie. Yeah. They manipulate her voice. So it's still her voice, but it's like, you, you can hear it distorted which is really cool and you know jim's like you know linda please i want to help you and linda's like fine then stop moving you know and they're like she's trying to she's trying to hit him with the axe and they're like kind of battling back and forth a little bit he punches her in the face i know i know (laughs) and i'm like oh what oh, I wonder if OJ was on set that day. Um, <clears throat> sorry, JK, JK. And, no, 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 not anyways, JK. Uh, F- fuck OJ. No, fuck that guy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> my hey, big the juice is loose. My big fucking head. My giant fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they're 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 uh, he 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 gets knocked to the ground and he sees a letter opener and he grabs it and he holds it. Uh, she's like, go ahead, James. What are you waiting for? And he's like, come on, Linda, please fight him, fight him. You got to fight him. I, I, I love you. And I wrote, finally, yeah. he says, I love you. And she's like, Jim. And he goes, oh, Linda, thank God. And then she snaps back. She's like, it's not that it's easy. It's not James. that easy, pal. It's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> that, and and he jams a letter But see, that's good fucking writing. He's He's been setting up this fucking uh, I love you, I know thing from the beginning. And now we have the the payoff at the end. It, that's, I mean, that this is all like great, solid writing right here. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And he jams the letter opener in her leg. She goes down for like, she's kind of goes down for a little, for a minute and then Dewurst runs in Dewurst to the rescue. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Don't move asshole. He's like, he, he holds the gun on uh, Jim and he's like freeze. And, and he said, I heard, I understand you left quite a mess up in big bear. And Jim's like, look, Dewurst, listen, he's like, don't. And he says to Linda, he's like, miss Brewster, can, can you stand, you know? And, and she's like, and suddenly the, the front door slams shut. And Linda now has like a fire poker. Uh, she swings the fire poker and knocks uh, Dewart, like hits Dewurst. And he does this thing where like she hits him and then he falls back. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's not really good. Terrible. It's, 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 it's terrible. It's comical. But, but I it's, love it it's, because it's, it's Dewurst. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's great. It's so great. It's so great. And, and then she's trying. And then Jim grabs the gun when Linda gets to her feet and Jim's holding the gun on her. And, uh, and then Linda says, you know, as Malfart, 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 Malfart. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) We should have been calling him that the whole time. Good one, buddy. Yeah. Malfart as Malfart, (laughs) Linda's like, you won't kill her. And, uh, and Jim's like, I can shoot her in the legs. And Malfart says, it won't change anything. 
and it'll buy us some time. Me and Linda, time to fight you. Time enough for her to close the portal. Only you can do that, James. This is interesting. And Jim's like, uh, you know, put down, put it down. Talking about the poker. I like that Malfart calls him James all the time. By the way. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. You're so smart. You still haven't figured it out. You're the portal, James, not Linda. You're the one I opened up. You're the one I terrorized by torturing Linda, by killing your friends. Linda is mine as long as you live. And you're like, oh, shit, that's quite a plot twist. Because yep. I totally buy it. Yep. Totally buy Me it. Me too. And, and it doesn't and, and matter Jim, if it's true or not. He's trying to get Jim to fucking kill himself. And that's what's, that's what's cool. I don't feel like you ever really know if it's true or not. It could be. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's moot, you know? Yeah, because Jim's like, bullshit, you tried to kill me. And, Lin- and Malfart's like, no, just to scare you. You are the portal, James. You really want to save Linda? You have the means in there in your hand. Go ahead, James. Close the portal. But you can't. You won't do it. Because he's like looking. He's he's trying to. He's panicking. Jim is struggling whether he should shoot himself or not. And and uh, Linda's like, but you can't. You can't. You don't. You don't love her. Not that much. And then Malfart says, is she worth it? Is anyone? Think about it. And at this point, Duras is kind of coming to his senses after being knocked back by his own means and he's <laughs> looking at what's going on jim has the gun next to his head and starts to pull back the hammer linda's freaking out jim get like hesitates and linda's watch malfart's watching duris is watching and then malfart says jim don't and jim jerks the gun and shoots but he doesn't he doesn't kill himself he sh- shoots the ouija board yeah fuck that not once. fuck that ouija board man not twice <laughs> He starts bl- like loading, unloading bullets into the Ouija board. Yeah, just blowing hole after hole after hole into it, and and then suddenly Linda Malfart is stumbling in pain. No, because he's like destroying part of yeah of Malfart. And, and I buy it. I, I'll I'll buy that. I got no problem with that. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And then so suddenly Linda Malfart in like one last burst charges at Jim pushing her arms out him pushes him out the window shatters out the window and he falls in this slow motion shot which is actually pretty cool yeah it's really cool like in a dream almost dreamlike where he's like falling back slowly falling back onto the ground but they never show him hit the ground no, they no. just cut yeah it goes black a uh, dude I never expected a shot like this in the movie. They built, um, yeah, obviously shot on a crane. They built a fake window there for him to kind of go backwards on. And he had to like, he had limited mobility. They actually show the scene uh, behind the scenes on the documentary. He had limited mobility because he's on this like crane thing. And so he couldn't move much because he was kind of blocking the, 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 the thing that he was on. But Weirdly, that gives it the weird dreamlike sequence that it has. Now, first time I watched it, I was like, this shot is amazing. Second time I watched it, I realized that the location that they use is not the backyard of that house. It's like a freaking high school or something, which is really weird. But it doesn't matter because the fact that they fucking pulled off this shot in a low-budget film is just have the audacity 
to do this shot. I, I applaud them. And what a payoff. It's so good, dude. It's so good. You could have just had him fall out the window and had something happen. It's so good. And like you said, you don't actually see him hit the car, and that's fine. No big deal. That actually doesn't bother me. And then you get this fucking awesome, like, bait and switch where you think it's a fucking funeral next scene, but it's not. I'm like, this is fucking awesome, bro. Like, as a climax, this is fucking awesome. And then the payoff is everything you fucking wanted, which is, you'll explain. Yeah, totally. It, it it's 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 so cool because at this point now you're like, oh, Jim's dead, right? The movie's gonna end with this funeral, Linda over his coffin, but the, so they show the the audience and they look kind of solemn, but then they cut up cut up to the front of the audience, up front of the church, and they're playing the wedding march, and it's Linda and Jim getting married, <laughs> and Jim's got a neck brace on, which is hilarious. He's got a neck brace on, and. Uh, <laughs> It's so great. It's so great. And and it's kind of an awkward kiss because he's obviously, you know. In pain. Uh, in pain. <laughs> and so what's great about it, I'm like, oh, this is a really smart way because it's really deceiving, you mm-hmm. know, really deceiving. And then everyone's happy. Everyone's cheering. And it's all good. And we cut back to, from there, we cut back to the house, the original house. And... um Miss Moses is in there with with some like random chick and they're cleaning up the garbage in the place. And uh, and then the girl go the the random chick is like, oh, look what I found. And and Mrs. Moses goes, oh, a Ouija board. I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid. And, And then the girl goes, I didn't know they've been around that long. Very funny. I wonder if it still works. And she's like, with all, with all these holes in it? And she asked the question, right? I wonder if it still works. And they drop the Ouija board on the ground, and suddenly the planchette moves over to, yes. Yeah, dude. Like, it still does work. And that is the end of Witchboard. And what, and what do we get in our credits? Cue the song. <laughs> Bump in the night. Fucking dude. Bump in the night. Bump in the night. So good, bro. I I don't I don't know what to say. All this is one of my favorite pad movies that we've ever done. I went from hating it halfway through my first viewing it to absolutely <laughs> loving wow. it. On by the end of the first viewing and then solidifying my love for the second viewing, I think this is so much better than it has any right to be, that its budget has Indeed. any right to be. Um, First-time director. You know, a lot of the cast was, like, early on in their careers, and a lot of them went on to do great things, but this was early on in their career. Totally. Yeah. And they, this movie was just... It was fun. You didn't know where it was going. Uh, the, the story that it was telling was interesting. And then the characters were interesting. But what I give it, truly what I give it props for, besides that fantastic song, is like the, the decision to make the movie start in that party scene and to have us feel as a viewer not quite understanding what's happening. And then the filmmaker and the writers kind of like, or same person uh, kind of like opens the world up and gives you the backstory. And, and then you start to, it's a dude, it's a very 
engaging story where you have to, as a viewer, you kind of have to follow along and figure it out too. This should have just been a fucking stupid horror movie. Like this should have just been a stupid fucking, you know, boobs and killing people. But no, they put characters first. It never felt exploitative and yet it has full frontal nudity, but it doesn't feel sleazy. Weirdly enough, the kills that it has are actually great, even though there's only a few of them, because you care about every person that dies. Dude, every person that dies in this movie is my favorite person in the movie. They're all of my like my favorite characters. And, ah, man, it, this movie just, it swings. It swings for the fences. And it might not hit an, a home run every single scene, but boy, oh boy, does it hit more than it ever should have. And I, I mean, I can see why this guy had a career after, you know, this movie. And I can see why everybody had a career after this movie. It's just what a gem, bro. What an absolute fucking gem. And I put it up there with strange behavior, like just movies that I didn't know what was coming. I still think about that movie a lot, especially that dance sequence. And this is one of those movies oh, that yeah. I think I'm just going to, it's going to sit with me in a good way. Like I, it's going to be one of those movies that I'm going to be like, check this fucking shit out, man. Like fuck Witchboard 2. Like we, yeah, th this is where it's at, man. Witchboard 1, so much fucking meat on the bones, bro. Thank you. Thank you for this movie. Thank you for, for you know, letting me experience it. But thank you for fucking bumping the night by Steel Breeze. I am addicted to that song. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my only thing, like, the loose end connection at the end was they, they handle, um, they handle uh, you know, Tawny Katane getting kind of uh, de-exercised. Uh, or exercised like pretty quickly, like by destroying the, the Ouija board, it kind of releases the spirit out of her in a weird way, which um, it, it, that kind of moves a little too fast for me where I'm like, Oh, suddenly she's fine. And we cut to the, but, but it's such a, it's such a small moment in the sense of I'm like, I want to see what happened after. I want to know about the aftermath and we do get the aftermath, which is so great. And you're absolutely welcome. I, I, I love this movie. I'm so glad we could, uh, hopefully pay proper tribute to Tawny Katane and, you know, and, and, and spotlight a movie that she's really good in. She is. Uh, and, she's and it's, really good I, in this movie. I dude. think this, this movie doesn't necessarily on paper deserve to be as good as it actually is. And then you go, what? I know this is a movie that bears several repeated viewings. You can walk it, watch it alone and it's entertaining or you watch it with a bunch of friends and you go, oh yeah, this is the movie that we should all be watching because you can laugh at it. And also there's moments where you're like, oh, that's really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I loved it too. I love it more now than I did when I saw it when I was a kid. Like I said, I didn't really enjoy it that much, and I really enjoy it now. Yeah, I think I would have been the same way. Um, like I said, I I'm fairly certain I watched Witchblade 2 uh, at some point, because I don't remember this at all. But I Witchblade. <laughs> Witchblade. <laughs> this was the first time. Three and a half hours. I was afraid I was going to say Witchblade at some point, and I said it at the end, so I did good. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I probably would have been the same way as you. I would have been excited about Tawny Katane, uh, the nudity at the end, although, again, it's not very sexual. Um, but I probably would have been not bored, but, like, unimpressed by the three deaths. But now that I'm older and I'm watching it, 
I love the three deaths because they're the three people that I really enjoyed in the movie. Like, there's no characters in this movie that I don't like, ultimately, at the end. And at the end of it, I miss Lloyd, I miss Brandon, and I miss uh, Zarabeth. You know, I miss all three of them. I think they were great fucking characters portrayed fantastically on screen, and it was a goddamn shame that they all died. So I, I, hope, that, I hope that maybe this movie gets re-watched, you know, post Tawny Katane's uh, death, but, you know, I, I think it has a strong cult following already, so that's good, but maybe we'll get some mainstream people listening now that, you know, I don't want to say that we did it because, yeah, just, you know what I mean. I'm not, I never tried to make, I don't ever try to trivialize uh, uh, a, any, anyone's uh, passing, so... No, no, and, and like I said, the, I chose this movie because I thought, well, let's do one that's timely and uh, and, 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 and and a proper tribute. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this movie. Thank you yeah, so much. So, <laughs> And thank you for $2 Late Fee, the podcast that Whoa. keeps on giving. <laughs> $2 Late Fee. We, we, we just launched an interview with Annabeth Gish. The Gishinator. Uh the Gishinator from Shag, Mystic Pizza, and Hiding Out, and so much more, so much more. She's actually uh, pad-related. She's working on a show that comes out in October on Netflix, uh, which is from the guy who made The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. It's like a follow-up to that yeah. new series, and she plays a prominent role in that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we've, and we're, we've got uh, an upcoming summer school reunion with two guys from that movie uh dean cameron and richard horvitz they played chainsaw and ikian mm-hmm. the nerd of course it's a hilarious interview people will laugh their asses off because it's just it, they're they're great uh but yeah that's what we're doing over at two dollar late fee and there's so much more we're actually launching a patreon ourselves uh, by the time this airs it probably will have launched with a lot of fun, like exclusive nice. content that uh, is very unique, and and it's not just audio content; it's other stuff too. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance, go on over to podcast or go on over to Two Dollar Lafey and uh, our Instagram page, and there's more info there. Yeah. But you know what else is really great? Is cut right, cut right, cut right. That's right. Adam and I have been uh, talk, right. <laughs> talking for. Jesus Christ, over 100 episodes of Seinfeld at this point. And uh, <laughs> to plug the Cartwrights Patreon, uh, we're also uh, reviewing Curb Your Enthusiasm there as well. So we got Patreons all Amazing. over the place. And truth be told, I do think that is the future of uh, podcast content. I think uh, I think the days of everything being free is kind of uh, uh, waning. Um, and I think a lot of people, I, I think most, a lot of people understand how much work now is involved. I think that was one of the biggest benefits of the quarantine of everyone starting a podcast during the quarantine is that now a lot of podcast listeners have started one and they understand how much work is involved in podcasting. So Honestly, yep. every single podcast that, that we have on the network, uh, $2 Lay Fee, Cartwright, uh, Seinfeld Podcast, they all have Patreon accounts. And you should support the ones that you love. You should support us first, and then you should support $2 Lay Fee, and then Cartwright. But, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. But 
you know, we do, you know, we produce a bunch of great content on pads, uh, Patreon, and uh, Cartwright's Patreon does too, and $2 Lay Fee is going to be producing too. So, guys and gals, enjoy because the future is premium podcast, baby. Yeah, we are the cream of the crop that rises to the top. That's right, baby. You're a poet. Too sweet to be sour. <laughs> Too nice men to of be the mean. Hour. <laughs> That's right. We're at riding on the edge of the lightning bolt, as they say. That's right, baby. So <laughs> thunderstruck. Insert thunderstruck there. But uh, check out everything yeah. on the uh, BFOP network. Check out Action Action, Talking Back. They all do some. Uh, everyone's putting out some great shows, and uh, we're we're lucky to be a part of it. And uh, you know, it's a good time. I love fucking doing the show with you, bro, and I love that you introduce me to movies like this. Sometimes they're movies that I think I know, and then sometimes I know I don't know, but here it's always a a pleasant and fun surprise, and as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.